Wah! Crimson everybody and welcome to the all new geek actually podcast episode 20 yes we have been off for two weeks but if you read the website which none of you do you'd realize we're now a fortnightly show so (laughs) just until the end of the year we kind of we all to put this into context we all work retail and if you've ever worked retail you realize that this is the busiest time of year and so we thought just to take a little bit of pressure off we'll go fortnightly and go alternate weeks to nerd corner so there's always something for you guys to listen to but that way it takes the pressure off of us i'm dave mcveigh and i am joined by dave longo how are you I'm good. <laughs> thank you for that wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. I'm good. Sorry. <laughs> thank you for that wonderful dramatic reading at the beginning. <laughs> we are doing this whole episode in melodrama. Is that not true? What do you think, Mr. Jamie Lawrence, who is also joining us? Uh, I think that uh, Dave has got a future in film. (laughs) (laughs) Just not in front or behind the camera. (laughs) He has a future in film, sitting in an auditorium. (laughs) Hey, I could do voice acting. Well, if he's not in front or behind, doesn't that mean he is the camera? I saw a documentary or about the audience. Uh, <laughs> I saw a documentary about voice acting called I Know That Voice and they made it look easy. I really want to see that. Anybody can do it. I really want to see that. I've heard lots of good things. It's, it's actually a great documentary yeah. and it's very difficult to be How a voice actor. How are you, actor. David? I'm actually pretty good. Wow, nobody ever asks me that question. Well, yeah. <laughs> How does it feel to be asked? It feels very nice. No, I'm actually fine. I had it was a nice real- just to be nominated. Yeah, nice to be nominated. You love me. You really love me. I must say, I must say, uh, I've had actually really had a really good day yesterday. I put my taxes in yesterday, and it looks like I'm going to get like six hundred dollars back. Ooh, so for cool. me, that's actually very good. And uh, nice to have deductions. Yes. <laughs> and I also got my new five. Um, no, no, my new five. <laughs> my new six S plus yesterday, which is also very nice. So I'm actually feeling really good. I had a good day yesterday. I also found out that. Uh, X-Wing miniatures mats are now in, so I'm going to sure go pick up my mat for X-Wing because those who know me know I, I love this game and I want to play some today. Those um, who don't know you have started to learn about it pretty, pretty well too. <laughs> and I should also point out that uh, Frocktober is continuing. For those who have been following us on Facebook, my wife is actually doing Frocktober. She's on day 17, I think it is, or 18. What's the date today? Uh, the 17th. 17th. So she's on day 17 of this. She's, she's put on looking frocktacular. She's looking frocktacular. She's actually earned a good amount of money so far, but she's still looking for people to sponsor for women's health. I think it's in particular cervical cancer. Is that right? Yep. Yep. Um, so if you want to support her, follow the links on my webpage or my Facebook or her Facebook or anybody else who's linked to it and go and give to that wonderful charity. So it's wonderful. You have to understand that my wife is a jeans wearing person. So to actually wear a frock every day is actually proving to be quite difficult. Cervical or ovarian? Ovarian, I think ovarian. it might, might actually be. Because, yes, everyone has a cervix. Not let, everyone has an ovary. True. And let's just call it... Uh, let's, just, let's just... Levi's or... Until <laughs> <laughs> we make any more mistakes on this, let's just say women's health because it's easy. All right? Um, down with cancer. Boo, down with cancer. cancer. Boo. I mean, anybody who's been listening to this network long enough knows that we have a strong tie to cancer mm-hmm. within the studio. So yeah, anything that is actually against cancer is a good thing by us. Bloody ah, now, for those who are only joining us for the first time, this is Geek Actually. This is the uh, podcast about everything and nothing and filtered through the perspective of uh, lots of Big fat geeks. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So what was it the other day? I was actually Facebooking. I was texting somebody. I was one of you guys, I think it might have been, when I basically said... Yay, I'm officially a nerd. (laughs) 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 I forget. Oh, no, it's because you gave me uh, trivia. 
on Star uh, yes. Wars. And, yeah. I answered all, <laughs> and I answered all the questions like, yay, I'm a nerd. Well, we're going to continue that tradition today because we actually have a little bit of Star Wars trivia coming up later on. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I'm surprised Dave doesn't know about these, and I'll explain where I I'm got these. I'm going to do the whole segment in an Obi-Wan Kenobi voice. Oh, very nice. <laughs> very nice. I will play the game. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the other, thing, the other thing I wanted to mention very quickly, I was going to leave it to the end, but we were trying to throw more of the personal stuff up at the beginning. Uh, the DC uh, TV uh, competition competition that yes. we've been running. Yes. I drew it last night. So last night was the last night. I think today's the 18th, actually. Um, I think if you uh, have a look at your calendars. Oh, so <gasps> drew it early. Forget it. I'll throw those numbers back in. We'll draw it again tonight. <laughs> so oh, we could yeah. it's a good thing. Little I, faith. Yeah. It's, a very, <laughs> it's a very good thing I didn't announce winners. So. Well, when they're listening, it's not even anywhere near this. Day, I will right? just it's throw it. It's like the 20th. I, it's gonna be like, you know what it is? <laughs> I was doing, I was drawing. I went, it's midnight. That means it's yeah. the 18th. Midnight. Oh, when hey. they're hearing this, the Star Wars trail is actually out. Oh, my like, God. Yeah, I was about to get to that. So, you lucky, lucky people of the future. I was about to say that. We're going we're gonna to just. I hate you. We're going to bury the lead a little bit, Dave, and say on Monday. Day, so by the time this episode comes out, the new Star Wars trailer will have come out. Wasn't it great? And and, 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 and oh man, wasn't the new logo and the new poster brilliant? Oh, and, they were fantastic. Yeah. And I've already got my tickets. And Kylo Ren's yeah. face. Yeah. Mind yeah. you, we could we we should we should play this segment back after we've seen the movie. Should be the can introduction I ask you, to the Dave, movie. As our resident Star Wars super uber nerd, yes. Can I ask you? I <laughs> noticed. I noticed that uh, Star Wars pre-sale tickets are going on sale on Monday in the states. Are they also going on Monday here? Uh, there's been nothing yet. Yeah, okay. So in the States, apparently on Monday, pre-sale tickets are going mm. up as well. So yeah. you will be able to start buying I, I'm legitimately early. scared. Like, how early do I need to book tickets for this thing? <laughs> like, <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like really concerned at the moment about it because I, I'm starting to feel like I'm being torn, but like I'm on like I'm being drawn and quartered by like four different horses. Like I got to pick which group of friends I'm going to go see the movie no, with no, no, first, could, or oh, first, know, yeah. like I'm about to say, like, you could see it with all of your groups yeah. of friends, but it's yeah. just what order you're it's doing. It's what order, yeah. And it's like you're seeing the it with midnight me first, otherwise we're, I will we've dis- committed to the midnight session. I'm about to say you're seeing it with me yeah. first, otherwise I disown you and I never speak well, to you yeah, again. Well, so. yeah, yeah, like. Um, <laughs> But the kind of thing is like I'm starting to get to am that. I, am I am I invited to that? Oh without God, no. Everybody is invited <laughs> the, to Star the Wars. No, of course not. Anybody who's involved with this direct group, the new galactic empire. <laughs> He's just going to sit there quoting what we talk, isn't he? He watched them all again the other day. It's a bad sign. This is how liberty dies, people. Thunderous applause. So <laughs> I'll, I'll reword all of that I was saying before and say if you are part of that DC trivia game, uh, DC trivia game, DC. Blu-ray DVD giveaway that you want, to, you want to enter. We've had a lot of entries. Let me just tell you, we've had a lot of entries to this. Uh, by the time you hear this, they would have been drawn. Ooh. So go make sure you check the website under the competitions link because it'll have the name of the two winners. Okay? So it has um, the two winners who I was going to announce today. Yeah. They're going back in the hat, so I'm glad I didn't yeah. mention them. So. Yeah, the David L. and Jamie L. Ben, I had winners and it was all organized. I was going to throw confusion. Fetty? No, I wasn't really. <laughs> I wasn't Huzzah. really. I wasn't really. All right, let's move on to this. Does anybody have anything else that's been fun in the week, or do we move on to what's been reading and watching? I think we can. Well, actually, no, no, not what we've been reading and watching. Uh, we, we've got a new segment. Oh, we do too. We do. We need. We need Dave. We need to cover a uh, an intro for this new segment. Have you got something? Have you got something? Are you good? Uh, I'm giving okay, you three I got, seconds. I got, I got. Yeah. Ready? Feedback. Feedback. Face back. <laughs> <laughs> or you're not even interesting enough to make me sick. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> 
<laughs> All right. <laughs> so this is uh, our Facebook feedback uh, section where people are telling us what Facebook is- feedback. <laughs> <laughs> you just going to keep coming up with jingles? Is that how this works? Every time we say something, you've got a different jingle for this segment. <laughs> All right. So um, I posted up. I posted up yesterday. Geek actually is actually geeking out in the next twenty four hours. Uh, Crimson Peak is our film for the week, and New York City Comic Con news. We'll probably get a chat. What else is on your geek radar, people? And we have heard back. Uh, Dave, oh. take it away. What have we got? Which, which Dave? Which Dave? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the beautiful I, thing about I, this it's situation. Yeah. <laughs> it's exactly like the word Jedi. Does it does it mean multiple or one? <laughs> <laughs> um, the only thing I would say is skip the first one because we actually have that in news. So we we'll, do. So we'll go on to the second one, which is DK three exclamation mark exclamation mark. Oh exclamation man! Can mark. anybody tell me why? <laughs> yeah, DK three is a reference not to Donkey Kong, but to the third Dark Knight story written by Frank Miller, which uh, DC is about to start publishing. Um, yeah, once again, why? It is called The Master Race. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if yeah. that's not like a clickbait title for a book, I don't know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> All I can say is so far what we have seen is we've seen cover art from it, which is by Frank Miller. Are you and sure it's not by his 13-year-old son? Or, or it's by... <laughs> hey, hey. It's hey. by one of those other, one, one of the Frank Millers. We're not sure which one. Um, but it is, uh, it is not... There is a long-held theory at this uh, radio station that... Uh, that Frank Miller has multiple personalities. Yeah, and, and you're never quite sure which Frank Miller you're going to get. Um, the only thing that gives me hope about any of this is that the art inside is not by him. And so, and and he's being co-written by Brian Azzarello, who might be able to keep him in check. So, well, you know what? Look, honestly, the DK stuff, even, even the second sequel, which was Awful. far less critically acclaimed, I was going to say... <laughs> There was still a certain there was still a certain visceral joy in There's no political correctness. Dark Knight Strikes Back or Strikes Again was Strikes Back? Strikes, strikes Back. back I know. No, it strikes again. It strikes, strikes again. again. Strikes yeah, again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm getting confused yeah, with my Pink Empire, Panther that's yeah. right. <laughs> I'm getting confused with my Pink Panther movies. <laughs> it was awful, guys. Let's just let's be very clear. But it's it's awful in a Ultra magnificent yeah, way. It's, so honestly, it's definitely it, worth reading. If, for me, if, yeah, it's like, it was like they can't hear me roll my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> no, Dave. Yeah, honestly, it's like the canon film of comics. You know, like it, it no, because canon films are enjoyable. <laughs> no, so was that. It was. It was a train wreck, and it was enjoyable. <laughs> we did a whole um, podcast on it. We once. did. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but DK three. Look, I mean, come on. Honestly, the master race. It is. Frank Miller just like throwing all the Nazi in there, clearly. <laughs> and it's going to be, even if it's terrible, there's going to be so much to talk about. <laughs> yeah, but do you realize what's so special about this is that if they it's let- that no it, one else is dared yeah, to write but, something but, with a Nazi in it. Yeah, it's exactly right. It's exa- they're, letting, they're letting a crazy person write a comic book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and that, that is, that is and, and absolutely- doing it, And he's doing is, it teamed up with Frank Miller. I mean- but that, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Touché. So, yeah. But wow. That, 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 <laughs> that, that to me is absolutely magnificent. Like it's 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 pure. It's we're going to get something special, whether it's good or not. You know? <laughs> it is. That's exactly right. I, yeah. I am actually look. I'm excited. I just don't know what kind of I'm excited I am. I'm girding my loins. <laughs> well, on, on a scale of one to ten, are you? How good do you think it'll be? One. Like ten being the really. Good. I, I honestly one. <laughs> I honestly have no gut feeling for it yet. Literally, all we've seen is that cover art, which looks you know, terrible. But you know that's why I kind think it's a charm. one. Do you know why it's also? I think it's a one. It's one of those situations of coming to a sequel this far down the track, as well. And you just sit there and go, you know what? 
What made the Dark Knight so amazing, what Dark Knight Returns so amazing, was the fact that it completely reinvented Batman. It was a dark, sinister tale. We'd never seen anything like it before. Every comic book is like that now. And so you look at it and go, there's nothing for it to break new ground on. Did you hear that Scott Snyder is writing an intermediate tale set in the the path towards Dark Knight? Calm, talk, to, talk to my cynical side. No, all I'm going to say is, of course he is. Well, you know, <laughs> yeah. Look, uh, honestly, um, Scott Snyder... His first run on Batman was was largely like building towards Grant Morrison's Batman. Now he's building toward Frank Miller's Batman. Mm. Um, you know, but he does do a decent job, and it'll be interesting to see how Bruce evolves in you know a few years towards that. I suppose. I uh, my hopes on Dark Knight Three are in the gutter. So it's only got up mm. to go. You know, <laughs> see, see, if I, see if I was hired to do an intermediate story between what what what's it between exactly? Between sort of modern continuity and the first Dark Knight. Yeah, sure. So I I would my story would be Superman co-opted. That's what it would be called, and it would just be how Superman is brought in. You know what? You know what? Okay, let's yeah. let's do a quick <laughs> let's do a quick geek head to head here. I want one of you to take one side, one of you to take the other, and we're just going to fight it out. Which, which of these <laughs> things is better? Okay, which is better? Out of Batman Beyond and The Dark Knight Returns as a future for Batman. Dark Knight Returns. Dark Knight Returns, yeah. Hands down. No, no competition. I, yeah. yeah. Batman Beyond for me is a fantasy. Batman it's not, Beyond is not, not, not even real. Bruce Wayne. What about, what about when they actually folded it into continuity? And, and yeah, they guess? say they folded it in. For me, it'll always be something that's... Unless it's actually set now with all the other people around it, it's not really relevant to me. You know what I mean? And you look at it and go, it's a future story. It's fun. Yeah. And, and I quite liked the cartoon in particular. I thought it was fun. Yeah, yeah. But... I never thought of it as pure Batman. Mm-hmm. Pure Batman is Bruce Wayne and Batman. Yeah. That's but, Batman. But, and and to, yeah, I agree. But to to be fair, I haven't. I myself haven't really watched or read a lot of Batman Beyond, so no, I can't. Yeah. The, I really the, like the Bruce, Bruce Timm cartoon is really yeah. good. I, know, I actually I know really Terry like from um, Future's End. Yeah, well, Terry and Future's End. Story. Because it, yeah. remember, cool. yeah. yeah. The other thing is, I think Bruce Wayne only has darkness to go. But sorry, I don't yeah. think he's ever going to find redemption. I don't think he's ever going no, to. Yeah. He's going to be a dark, bitter old man. Uh, no, I should have. I should have been clearer. I actually meant which was a better future for Bruce Wayne specifically. Oh, right. Like I, I really like the Batman Beyond Bruce Wayne, uh, the bitter old man mm. with a dog in a cave. You know, I would, I would, I would raise you, Batman Incorporated. Batman Incorporated is pretty cool too. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I think for me personally, I think I think. Miller's Dark Knight Returns for me is Batman's future. That's mm-hmm. I think we've seen a glimpse of his future and this is it. You yeah, know what I mean? That's awesome. And and I think that uh, every every Batman story from now till the end of whenever they stop writing Batman will be leading towards to that, that. To that future. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I for me for me I think of Kingdom Come as the the ultimate mm-hmm. future. Oh, of there's DC. that too. Actually, yeah, <laughs> there is that too. Sorry, I've, I've, but uh, but no, no. Look, I totally like. Yeah, yeah it, I think it's really interesting to think about. You know, because there's been so many future but stories of all these at, characters. But you could also look at it and say Kingdom Come actually takes place after Dark Knight Returns. It could very easily. Because in, Dar- in Dark Knight Returns, he's still capable of being Batman. By the time you get to Kingdom Come, he's in a neck brace and a back brace. And, yeah, of course. You know, so it's like, you could, just, you could actually, you could almost think of Kingdom Come as the ultimate end yeah. after even I think, that. Mm. I think that the point, I guess, in the end of every Batman story is that Bruce is going to die. Even um, Christopher Nolan addresses it in mm. the, the Dark Knight of Rises. Course. It's like, and all these fr- multiple Spoilers! That, Sorry, no. Yeah, but, all, but yeah, and he copped out, I think, <laughs> he, in my He dies opinion. in a Parisian yeah, cafe um, with Catwoman, right? Yeah, exactly. That, 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 yeah, yeah, <laughs> the coffee yeah. killed him. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that's why I think he, he really did cop out at the end of Dark Knight Rises. Like, Bruce should have died. It really would have made the point. Um, 
to a more uh, to a bigger degree than that, the movie actually did. The movie kind of skirts it a little bit. The movie, sure. was, the movie yeah. failed in my but, eyes but, anyway. But so. the movie kind of does a, a lesser version of what Batman Incorporated does, which is like the Bruce himself. Bruce doesn't die in Batman Incorporated, but the Batman goes on yeah. in multiple forms. Yeah, yeah. Of course. Well, I mean, Batman yeah. is born in, in it's symbolism. A yeah. yeah, absolutely. And that, that's a nice legacy. And that's exactly how The Dark Knight Returns ends too. So bottom you know. line, uh, David, who left this feedback on on Facebook, which was literally like nine characters long, yeah. um, <laughs> we just spent and there was a seven minutes talking about it, and there yeah. was a tongue face. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, is uh, the look we like? We like future Batman. Whether we like DK three, that's another question. Uh, Paul has asked about Reverse Movember specifically. <laughs> this is about this is for you, David, because uh, how's that? Uh, how's that? Nobody, you know, going? nobody has actually come back to me about this yet. So um, it's actually through work. They want me. The 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 somebody made this offhanded comment that I should shave my beard off at the beginning of November and then grow a mustache back. Somebody also suggested what I could do is just shave off the beard and leave the mustache. So I'm already like. Mustache throughout <laughs> all of November uh, and trying to earn money, but nobody has actually come back to me about this since. Well, Paul Paul pointed out on Facebook earlier that uh, you are under the rules of November allowed to do reverse November that you you pledge if if they pledge a certain amount of money you shave it off. Well, there you go. I could do that as yeah, well. So, so I will look. So into, I think you should talk to your work people about this, yeah, and I will look into this because what is it? It's now the seventeenth, so we're halfway through the month. So we've got half a month. We've got two and a half weeks to get this set you up. Could, you could. Seriously, kick cancer's ass. I think, I if, think you, if you promise to shave that off. I think there's enough people out there who want to see me because I haven't been. To put this into perspective, I have not shaved my beard off since I interviewed Tom Hiddleston. Yeah, oh hey. man. Hey. Yeah, that's right. There's the video online. online people can look it up yeah. right now. Yeah. Yeah. So I haven't shaved it off since then, and that was what 2009 or 10. Baby Dave so. strikes again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We could, start an, enti- we could start, we could start an entire new meme over this. <laughs> Shaved Dave. <laughs> Shaved Dave. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Derek Winneberg tells us that he's getting his copy of Inadequate Gods and he's very excited Yay! about it. Yay! While we're here, tell us about Inadequate Gods, Dave. Uh, issue two is almost done. Yeah, someone, yeah. someone needs real, to proofread that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Issue two. Yeah. You've can I, can I just stress, Jamie? Issue two is almost done, doesn't tell us what what it is. So- oh, okay. Yeah, well, well, well um, yeah, it does in many ways. <laughs> no, um, uh, no I- issue. Okay, so Inadequate Gods is a comic book series that I've I've started to self-publish, um, that I've drawn and written. And the basic elevator pitch for it is that um, an A-list Hollywood actor dies, goes to heaven, has to team up with a deadbeat Jesus to solve a mystery. And um, at the moment, uh, it's pretty hard to get a hold of. I can't get past of, the I term guess. "deadbeat Jesus." I yeah, love yeah, that. yeah. <laughs> I love that phrase. So. Yeah, um, it's pretty hard to get a hold of, I guess, at the moment because I'm only well posting on them at Facebook and mentions. Yeah, now you've got a website set up for this, yeah? Uh, it's on Facebook for inadequate gods. I'm actually toying with the idea of putting them out as a serialized. Like every Monday, I'll put out one page. That's cool. For free. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, um, and so people can look at it that way, and uh, and then if they like it a lot, they could come and see me and buy the book in print. I'm I'm actually if someone wants to send me a private message on Facebook, I'll happily send. Well, that's how, yeah, no, that's, a copy that's how Derek got. That's his how copy. Derek's yeah. getting. And you here. had to leave. You yeah. had to leave here pretty briskly last show mm-hmm. because you were heading down to Comic Conversations. How'd that go? Uh, that was a bit of a mixed bag, yeah. but like I I had a great time. Yeah, I really liked the vibe there was great. Yeah, you know, like, uh, yeah, because Jamie, um, for people who weren't aware, he actually was also 
selling stuff as well. Yeah, well, you know, I, you, I had you, a you store were, for the shop. Yeah, you yeah. were quite a big supporter of the event, I think. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah, and um, but there was a, a lot of like um, unfortunate timing. That's kind of what I felt yeah, about it. Like yeah, the, yeah, a, lot was, of, a lot of people didn't show up. There seemed. was a lot of other stuff on, but it was nice mm. to just see so many creative people in one place yeah. and, you know, just go around and have a chat to all these people who are putting themselves out there and, and doing their own projects. Yeah, absolutely. That was the highlight for me, like... Um, actually meeting a bunch of other creators mm, and, mm. and getting the vibe of it, mm-hmm. you know, and um, and not many people stopped to look at the book, but there wasn't that much traffic and um, I sold six. Oh, okay. You know, so, you know, overall there was maybe like what, 200 people walked through that whole building the whole time. Yeah, probably. You know, and I think through that there was maybe about 10, 15 people that actually stopped to look at the book. A few people read the whole book there. Laughed, really enjoyed it, but didn't buy it. <laughs> a couple of people thought it was a real religious thing. Right. Uh, a couple of kids picked it up. Is it a real yeah. re- religious thing? It's a satire of religion. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't say if you It's religious in the same but, way dogma but, is. But, but, yeah. but, but there were people who were like, You're, are you a religious man? I was like, well, I don't have the heart to say that I'm not. <laughs> you should, oh, the easy answer to that is, is you just say, yes. I was raised yeah. Catholic. <laughs> the advice I was given from a friend of mine was to say, yeah, absolutely. You'll love it. It's really, it's really, really. <laughs> Just yeah, avoid yeah, Because yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're going to read it later on, right? <laughs> All no, right. But, um, but if people are interested in that, um, it's or, facebook.com forward slash what? iGods is the I-Gods. best way to get to it. Okay. Um, but, you know, let me know what you think. Like, if it's maybe a good idea to put them out uh, a page every Monday. I think it's a great idea. But, yeah. but certainly, you know, uh, if you're interested in Inadequate Gods, jump on Geek Actually Facebook and have a chat with Dave. Or the, the even better, the Inadequate Gods Facebook and have yeah, a chat with Dave. Yeah, <laughs> please do. Yeah. All right. All right. Uh, David, I feel or, weird. I feel like a bit of a fraud chilling chilling it out. Why? You, you know? wrote it. Yeah, yeah I know. It's, I know. It's, it's, I shouldn't, but I do. It's, you yeah, wrote you it. You know what? This is, actually, yeah. this is actually a really interesting point. Having opened a store in the last two and a half years, yeah, at first you feel like you're just shilling all the time. Like mm. it's, you know, oh my God, please come and support me. Mm. After a while, it's less of that and more of actually just realizing that you've got something that is good mm. and you're inviting people to join in that thing. Um, and, and it's very much like your comic is really cool. I have read it. I really yeah. like it. Yeah. And I Thanks, would like man. more people to come and experience it because it's really good. Yeah, you're actually you're absolutely right. When I started doing podcasting seven years ago, it was always people would say, "What do you do?" And it's like, "Oh, I got kind of this little show. It's kind of it's just on the internet." Mm. Now it's like, "Yeah, I have a show. On the, I have a podcast. Mm. You know, and it's just like this yeah. is this is the way it is. You it's know, like you, it becomes, you want to be on it. Yeah, it becomes, <laughs> it becomes life, part of your life. Yeah, yeah. it is. It is. So yeah, don't don't worry about the shilling. You'll get past it. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I do I do like hope people like look at it, and that's kind of like why I want to put it out for free because it's it's not really at all about making money or, or yeah. making a career. Oh, it's it just, will be. That, that's it. It will that, be. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. That advice you is know. coming from you know the man who bought his way onto the show. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad you admit to it. No, no, no. <laughs> no, no, no. But I was just trying to like say like um. You know that, like, I'm happy for people to to look at it, and and I'll I will get it for you for free if you want it for free. Like, it's not it's uh, not we, about the. Money. We can honestly say because you know, I know you're always very uncomfortable talking about your own stuff, but mm. Jamie and I have both read it. We both have it in print. It looks great. The printing job is really good. Buy a copy of it. It's a good book. Don't listen to this man. Go, go <laughs> don't to listen his, to the writer. He's an idiot. Don't listen to the writer because he's full of self doubt. Go to go to his, go to his Facebook page. Send him an email. Say here's here's my five bucks and and uh, my my address and he'll mail you out a copy because it's well worth it. Absolutely, read it, 
Derek also tells us that he's been watching uh, watching The Flash and the new season of The Flash has got some really cool stuff. I've got that in my What We've Been Watching, so we'll come back to that. Thank uh, you very much. He was a bit disappointed in the Heroes Reborn show. I've really wanted to see this. I haven't had the chance yet. It's just it been has, too busy. It actually hasn't officially come out in Australia yet. There are ways I think, of obtaining no, it. It's been on Channel 7. Oh, it's on Channel 7. So I don't yeah, watch yeah. network TV. So well, there you go. <laughs> I but, avoid network TV at the great... At the great but look, uh, I, I loved the original Heroes and... Um, the whole thing? Because let me, let me say, Look, I love the first season. The first season's brilliant. And I thought it just progressively went downhill no, look, I, I, after that. I wouldn't say, right. it certainly never became unwatchable for me. I, I actually went through to the end and I enjoyed it. And stuff like, you know, you, you just got so many little... Last season. Well, I should, start, I should start with the beginning. The first season was excellent. Yes. It was just from start to finish, a brilliant story, well acted by a stellar cast. Um, and it really brought superheroes to TV in a way that hadn't been done before and was exciting and new and vivid and wonderful. The second season, they got hit by the writer's strike. A lot of shows that year in particular um, had this dip and the second season started with promise but ended up being basically a less good carbon clone of the first season. The third and fourth seasons both then tried to take the story in different directions and they really tried to be comic books about it. You know, people were writing different arcs and different stories for these characters and they they were very hit and miss. There were some re- really awesome things, like Michael Dorn as the president of the USA, <laughs> um, and uh, and you know there were some really high points in there. But after a while, it actually suffered from what comic books do sometimes, which is this character has been explored to death. There's nothing new to say about it, and we're just sort of revisiting the same stories over and over again. It's like when you get someone writing Batman who isn't really good. Mm. Um, and that was what happened with the last couple of seasons of Heroes. It, is it wasn't bad. But it was just treading the same ground over. I actually and over again. found the last season. I got to the point where it was actually a job to finish watching it, um, and that's why when it, when it finally died, it's like I'm not surprised this died. Mm. You know, um, when they said the Heroes Reborn was coming out, I was actually quite excited. I thought maybe we can actually reinvigorate this because it's a great idea. And as I say, first season was stellar. Not only is it a great idea, it's an indie property. Yeah. with superheroes, which I think is. You know, it, it's so fascinating. Well, it's to not see even it. superheroes; it's superpowers. Yeah, of course. And it's like this whole idea of the ambiguity of superpowers too, because none of them are particularly all good or all bad. And when mm-hmm. they try and be all good, like there's that one character who tries to be all good, he fails dismally. Absolutely. You know? And it's like so. It's and even it's it's just about people with extraordinary abilities. And then what happens in the real world? I mean, very much X Men like the fact that they're hunted. You That's know, right. Yeah. And stuff like that. And it's like you sit there and go, it's a really interesting idea idea that had so much scope it did um and it just failed Even so badly the shades the of gray and Siler, i thought were amazing yeah. as well oh yeah. Siler was actually one of the greatest characters mm-hmm. and even bringing him around to be a better person yeah was even interesting because you sit there going wow for the horrors that you did mm-hmm. you know um it's it's so amazing to see what you can do with this character but Ultimately, they had nothing to do with it. Now, I have not seen Heroes Reborn yet. I think it's up to about episode five. Oof, already. Four or five yeah, already. And somewhere, somewhere around there, yeah. And I, it is one that I am definitely going to catch up on. Yeah, me too. But I just haven't had a chance yet. I should just say I'm, I'm quiet because I've never, I've never watched Heroes. <laughs> oh, really? Watch well, first yeah. season. Netflix. First season, yeah, first season yeah, actually like, has a conclusion. I've been... I've, I, it's it's strange to hear that like like it had some declines and ups and downs because I know of quite a few people that have loved everything of it. Yeah, oh, that's great. Know. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, I remember I've been hearing about it since the first Abrams Star Trek came out. Because mm-hmm. um, what's his name? Uh, Zachary Quinto, I think. was yeah. in. He was Siler. He was in yeah. Heroes. Yeah. 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 He was the character we were talking about who was That's the right. bad guy in the first season. Mm-hmm. Who, by the time the series finished, they had actually made so gray that mm-hmm. you were never quite sure whether he was good or bad. That's it was, right. It was fascinating. So, uh, and um, he was so horrendously evil in the first one. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's a, uh, no, it's fascinating stuff. It's a, a very interesting. We, we will catch up with it. We'll catch we'll up and we'll, we'll visit it, absolutely. And we'll come back to The Flash and so, we'll be reading So watching, sorry to hear so. that you're a bit disappointed in it, Derek, but um, yeah, we'll, we'll see how we go with it. Once again, though, I'm run. actually not surprised that he's disappointed in it, though. Let's say well, well, the same thing with Dark Knight 3, that idea of coming back to something after this much time and so forth. The same worry I have about the Mm -hmm. X-Files. We've also got a comment here from uh, Jennifer Stower, is it? Uh, Stower, maybe? I think think it's awesome. She's she's pointed out that Alvin and the Chipmunks is going up against (laughs) the new Star Wars on And it'll probably make more money. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Especially when, you know, you discover that... Fox's answer to losing the property. (laughs) We've got our own franchise. When you discover that, uh, you know, The Force Awakens refers to the entire Gungan race getting Force powers. You know? <laughs> Misa, super bombad Jedi. <laughs> All right, one more and then we'll move on. You so take Force lightning. <laughs> you so go through the planet. <laughs> and uh, Matthew Katusiak has left us a bunch of links, some of which we are actually already talking about in the news. So we will... Uh, roll on a little bit. Excellent. Thank you very much. Keep your comments coming through Facebook. This is going to be a new section every fortnight, so whatever you put up into Facebook. Mm-hmm. We can't do them all because there are so many of you, but we will pick out some of the great ones and some of the ones that actually pose questions. If you have thoughts or comments that you just want to get off your chest, Facebook is a great place to do it, and we are reading it. Jamie has basically taken over being our Facebook uh, webmaster, so uh, let let him know how you're feeling. So it's good. Uh, I was very slack at following Facebook, so he's good at it. I'm, I'm trying to rip you into more of it, but uh, <laughs> you're damn resistant. <laughs> Social networking and I have an uneasy relationship. <laughs> we have an uneasy relationship. All right, we're going to move on, though, because we've got things to do, and I think we need to go into a little bit of this. I can't watch this. I can't watch this. I can't watch this. I can't watch this. My, 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 my TV makes me so bored, makes me say, oh my lord, what is this garbage here? Wanna cover my eyes and plug my ears? You believe any of this voodoo bullshit, Blair? No, I don't. <laughs> so. <laughs> All right, so, Jamie, what have you been watching, reading, playing, uh, consuming, looking at, touching, fondling? This week. <laughs> uh, Dave, can you just read that first one for me? <laughs> Star Wars! <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, took the family back, revisited uh, the 1977 classic Star Wars. Um, Which cut? Perfect pronunciation. The, uh, <laughs> there, there was no hope, new A. Yeah. <laughs> Although, wait for it. Uh, we watched the uh, the 90s George Lucas re- right. okay. revamp. Uh, so, yeah, there was so, a so there pronunciation was, failure. There was... <laughs> There was special Han so, stepping so on Jabba's tail. So you saw Star Wars like you've never seen it before. And that announcer with a few new surprises. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Look, it's great, isn't it? It's great. <laughs> you're talking to a guy. How who much just watched you need the, to say? You're talking to a guy who just watched the original trilogy recently. What so. really made me happy about it was that it was specifically that my son had asked to do it. Um, yes, yeah. geek in making. It was great because he's seen all the stuff for the Force Awakens coming. He's excited about it, and it was like, can we sit down and watch the old ones before the before this one comes? Yeah. Yes, we can. <laughs> hey, I have a guy. Yeah. I have a guy at work who uh, is a massive Star Wars fan. I mean, we are talking massive more Star than me. Wars, more than you. Are. I was going to oh, say, Dave. You work with David? But he has a small child. And I think she's probably about seven or eight years old. Yeah. And, um, My son's eight. Yeah. And just recently she did exactly the same thing. And he was all over Facebook. He was basically screenshotting the TV set with him. And his <laughs> going, I'm so proud. <laughs> and then yeah. she immediately wanted to go out. And there was, screen, there was shots of her on Facebook with her Darth Vader costume and a lightsaber. Yeah, and the two of them lightsaber. Yeah. Well, what I love about yeah. it is that, the, you know, Avery has seen Star Wars before. But the only other film that he's ever asked to watch again is Ghostbusters. So, wow. you know, like he's, the child is on the right path. <laughs> <laughs> um, what else? Uh, I have been playing the new Game of Thrones card game. I want to play this. It's really cool. Did you win or did you die? <laughs> <laughs> well, Luke, who we had on last, last episode, is uh, sadly a bit of a card sharp and, uh, and destroyed me. But, um, I would like to point out that my son beat him at DC Deck Builder, though. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I would like to point that out too. And you know, maybe if I get it written on paper, I could rub it in Luke's face. That'd be wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, the Game of Thrones card game. Look, you, it has all of the the characters, but it's beautifully illustrated. It's not uh, screenshots from the from the TV show. Nice. Um, it's really lavish. Uh, the gameplay is excellent. We it's, should stress this is second edition. This yeah? is second edition. Yeah. So there was a first edition. It it got very bloaty and difficult and complex rules, and they've done all that or what done away with all that and made it a very straightforward. You have an income. You get dudes out. You make a plot every turn uh, for your house. And oh, I thought uh, you meant like a plot because I feel like the show doesn't have enough plots already. You know, <laughs> and the plot. <laughs> well, a lot turn, of people keep dying. So every turn we Sorry, make uh, a new plot. No. I, <laughs> I mean, I mean, planning plot. Right, um, thank you. <laughs> so, uh, so you do that, and when you make your your plot each turn, that determines the resources you've got for the turn, and you bring out people and and events and things that you want to happen, and then you all draft out uh, a set of roles, um, which uh, basically, you know, like you might be the hand of the king, you might be the master of commerce, or so on, and different roles support each other. So there's going to be other players, you can't attack that turn based on the role you've picked, and you don't know who they are until you all reveal. Ah, oh, it's cool. So it's yeah, uh, yeah it's a very cool little uh, little game. Uh, you you can challenge each other based on intrigue, based on military, based on direct power struggles, all sorts of things. But the aim of the game is to get to fifteen power, and the first player to do that wins. And it is really cool. It's a customizable game, so you can pick which house you're pay- playing, and then if you want to, you can throw in some people from other houses and just have your, you know, your favorite all-stars from I may Game have to of Thrones. This. this sounds great. You should come yeah. and play it. And yeah. yeah, it is a really solid game. We're doing a lot of demos and play in the store at the moment. And you said when I was in there, you said if a standard game is about 45 minutes. Yeah, right? roundabout. Yeah, that sounds mm. good. So yeah. King of the North. <laughs> um Apart now. from that, now here we go. Okay, <laughs> Luke. Luke asked me to pass on actually that that he has read Alias and really loved it. Yeah, I loaned for those to fill people in. Last uh, show, I actually loaned Luke Alias, which is the Jessica Jones Max series, and to fill uh, people in more, you love this book. Oh, I know they know that already. <laughs> <laughs> I've talked about this book ad nauseum on behind the panel, so they know that. Uh, so this is one of my favorite, my one of my favorite books, and one of my favorite characters, especially mm-hmm. in the Marvel universe. 
So Luke gave it to me to bring back to you, and yep. so I reread it. And you hijacked it. You bogarted it. I, I, yeah. I did. <laughs> <laughs> I have I have read it before years ago, but I decided I'd sit down and give it another go because it's by Brian Michael Bendis, who has a tumultuous relationship with me. Um, <laughs> he doesn't know about it, but we do. <laughs> I really, I really need just for what is coming. I really need a Ralph Garman soundbite. I must say. Okay, go on. <laughs> so. I still didn't like it. How dare you, sir? <laughs> <laughs> but I, but I really, I really wanted to to articulate briefly why I didn't like it, rather than just go, oh, fucking Bendis. Um, <laughs> and so here's a couple of things that that jarred for me about Alias, and I've since talked with you, Dave, and, yep. and some of them are less bad now. But these are the things that annoyed me. First off, he uses the word "fuck" as a crutch. He literally, when he can't think of dialogue. He says fuck or fucking fuck or fucking shit fuck or something to that effect. And it's, yes, it's characterization, but it's not characterization when it's coming out of the mouth of Carol Danvers. Um, she's she's so, a soldier. So, <laughs> so that's, that's my first issue is that I, I feel like as a writer, maybe he needs to get past that word. Um, the second thing was that when Bendis writes pre-established characters, he completely disregards their histories and rewrites them the way that he wants them to for his story. Now, this Dave pointed out to me that Alias doesn't take place in the main Marvel universe, so I guess I can forgive it more. But characters appearing in this book include uh, include Miss Marvel. Pause include, right there for a minute because yeah, we're going to we're going to have a whole bunch of comic book geeks coming back at me for that comment. They're going to say, "Oh, but you know, she is in the Marvel universe." When this book was written, Alias it Max. was Max. Yep. It wasn't actually part of the 616. She has since been adopted into That's right. the 616. And this, a lot of the stuff that happened in this book is now canon because she has been adopted into the 616. When it was written, it was a Max book. Right. But, uh, you know, you've got you've got Carol Danvers, Captain Marvel. Uh, you've got Steve Rogers, Captain America. You've well, let's got, say you've got the entire Avengers cast well, at some the, point. Well, the entire of them there. But really, he's, he mm. actually writes for a few characters. Scott Lang, Ant-Man. Um, Luke Cage. Luke Cage. Matt Murdock. And my God, Luke Cage is such a 1970s throwback. Um, that his whole character is a 1970s <laughs> well, throwback. <laughs> I like to think he's evolved a little since then, but <laughs> but apparently, you know, like it's all just bitches and hoes to him. Um, but uh, Have you read the most recent <laughs> <laughs> But no, look, honestly, I feel like he very much subverted some of those characters in ways I wasn't comfortable with. Um, and... This sort of brings me to the, the the biggest problem that I have with the whole thing. And this is actually my problem, not not a problem with the book. And that is that I really don't like stories, and in particular, you know, comics and graphic novels, where the entire world is dark. Where I was saying before, Transmit, which is one of, one of Dave Longo's favourites, um, you know, was written by Warren Ellis at a time when he had nothing but vitriol for the world and everything... You know, like like that book is written. One one morning he was walking along, you know, on the way to work, got a coffee. Some other dude bumped into him, spilled his coffee all over him, and then he was like, "Fuck coffee! Fuck! I hate coffee, and I hate people who hate. I hate people who like coffee, and fuck anyone who does that is just they're dead to me." <laughs> and and that's the kind of book that it is. And Alias is Alias has a lot of that vibe to it. It's it's. The world is so damaged and dark and every person in it is damaged and dark. And even the people we think are bright and hopeful, really behind the scenes, they're damaged and dark. And everything is just so weighty in that book. And personally, that's not something I enjoy. 
Uh, that's fair enough. And as I was talking to Jamie at the coffee shop beforehand, and sorry, Dave, we've just completely some hijacked dude spilled this. coffee on you. You're uh, like, fuck that guy. We completely, we completely hijacked <laughs> away from Dave. But we'll no, come back to right. you. Dave hasn't read Alias, so yeah. it's a big factor. But um, one of the things I was saying to Jamie at the coffee shop, and, and we'll do this and then we'll move on to some other stuff that we've been reading watching because this isn't behind the panels. But what I, what I was saying to Dave was that what I, the thing about Alias is, yes, it is a dark book and yes, everybody is fairly melancholy in the book in some way or another. The artwork is actually this very watercolory dark. It's very nice. Beautiful it's art. Really but great it's really But it's very dark. Everybody's eyes are kind of sunken, you know. Mm-hmm. But the point that I was actually saying was that this is a book told through the eyes of Jessica Jones. And Jessica Jones is incredibly damaged. Mm, and A broken and person. She's a broken person. By the time you get to the last arc of the 28 issues, you find out why. Mm-hmm. And up until that point, I mean, she engages in incredibly almost brutal anal sex with Luke Cage in the first issue and her comment is just so she can feel something, mm. you know, um, and she doesn't care about the pleasure. It's just so she can feel, you know, I mean, she is damaged goods. And it's one of the reasons why I love this character. I actually think and where I disagree with Jamie is the fact that I actually think that she is actually one of the most realistic and rounded characters I've ever seen, seen Bendis write. Um, and she's she's. She's dark, yes, but there is by the end of the book there is hope, and I think that's kind of it's her transition to it that point where journey. she goes, "I've confronted my demons, mm-hmm. and I can come out the other end." Her use of the word "fuck," I don't think it is a crutch. I think I think it is life on the streets. This is Hell's Kitchen. Well, this it, is dark, gritty. I agree for her, but that's, I, that's but her. I, but it's not just her in the book. It's literally everyone. Well, and I think a lot of this though is the fact that. Carol Danvers can't swear in the 616, but she is a soldier. I think she would swear like a soldier. You know what I mean? So, and the thing is, I think we just don't ever give her that opportunity because of being clean-cut 616 Carol Danvers. That's that's quite possible. And I think the idea of the Max series was to kind of show a slightly more realistic view of these people. I'm sure Captain America swears like a soldier <laughs> if you gave him the chance, you know? So, I mean, you look at it and go, is, and is this book... For everyone, no, I don't think it is. I think it is actually quite brutal. I, I don't think my wife would enjoy this book. I think my wife would actually say it's no, too I think, dark. I think actually, interestingly, I think if you went into it, there's some really interesting pro and anti-feminist things in this. Oh, book. Oh, absolutely, no, no. There, I, there are there is there are layers and depths, and and I do appreciate that. Yeah, I just didn't like it. Yeah, and, and, <laughs> and, and look, I appreciate that completely, um, but. Because of this book is why I am so keen on the new series. Oh yeah, because I if they are if they dare and there is still doubt as to whether they'll go as far as they could go, if they go the way that this book is written for the series, it could be the most monumental mm. TV event. Could yeah. be incredible ever. ever. I think I, I saw the episode title lists and and there was a one in there called anal. So. Maybe <laughs> really? No, no, no. <laughs> I don't call that episode title. I was just saying, I'm thinking Dave is selling that so well. <laughs> I was like, what, if that was an episode title, I'm jumping straight to that. <laughs> skip, 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 skip. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, a new, a so, new series, Breaking Brown. <laughs> oh, <laughs> All right, let's okay. apologize. Let's so, move past. So alias. moving on, moving on. We also oh, we should just say, Alias Max is available as an omnibus. You can read the entire 28 issues in one hardcore omnibus. It is hard to find you can get it on amazon but it is expensive it's about a hundred bucks to buy this book so yeah. uh, and that's us so australian people i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> moving on um i sat down and uh, and caught up on netflix on justice league war which is one of the, uh, this. Yes. the animated series movies um 
It was a really solid adaptation of the Jeff Johns introduction of the Justice League. It was there was some lovely yeah. banter between uh, Green Lantern and Batman, who are set up straight away as you know, sort of oh, the, straight the out core of the, of the group yeah. who can't stand each other personally but work together. Yeah. Um, and it and it sort of works. Can you turn your lights down? <laughs> yeah, it works really nicely. I think it's interesting. Uh, there's been accusations at uh, DC Animated since uh, since they started doing the New Fifty Two stuff and since uh, Paul Dini left. Um, oh, and, Bruce Tim. and Bruce Tim, uh, that the heart was gone from the stories, and um, I can see a bit of that here. You yeah. know, like it, it wasn't it wasn't an inadequate animation in any way, but it just didn't have that DC universe feel that some of those older stories. Did. Bruce Tim's last uh, DC animated film was The Dark Knight Returns, Part One and Two. Um, he did recently just come back. He's with come Gods back and for Monsters, Gods and Monsters. That's right. And apparently, he's coming back for Killing Joke, which is now the latest uh, hint on Killing Joke is it will be the first DC animated film with an R rating. That would not be surprising. Which is like yes. <laughs> and interestingly, everyone's been talking about Mark Hamill coming back as the Joker. Yeah. Um, I've I've reread the Killing Joke recently, and I find it really difficult. Not to picture Mark Hamill as the Joker, that's fine. But to imagine Kevin Conroy's Batman in that, it's not his Batman. No, at you know all. what? The, yeah, well, no, the Batman I want for the Killing Joke is I want Dark Knight Returns. Yeah, that's right. I, I want, want Peter Weller. I want gravelly, dark. Yeah. yeah, that's right. I want Peter Weller against Mark Hamill. That'd I be think great. That would be amazing. Robocop as Batman. Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> just go watch Dark Knight. Dark Knight Returns is Peter Weller, and it's absolutely it's so good. It is excellent. Yeah. Um, that whole scene, the whole sequence where. Uh, He's fighting the leader of the mutants in the mud, yeah, yeah. and you know this isn't what is it? This isn't uh, this isn't a battle. It's an operating table. Yeah, <laughs> so well done. Uh, I agree with you. Justice League War just felt it was nicely animated. It's fun. It's the same thing I felt about uh, the the Atlantis Throne one. of Atlantis. Throne of Atlantis. Yes. I just felt like it's, there's something missing. There's something missing from all of the most recent ones. Uh, Batman uh, versus Robin or Batman and yeah, and yeah. Son, I uh, saw that Batman American and Son. Had the same feeling. It just kind of feels like the heart's been ripped out of it all. But you know what? Like the Flashpoint one was really good. The, uh, the Flashpoint paradox. Actually, yes, it was, and I th- was excellent. I think that might have actually still been Tim, though. I'm not sure, I'll but, have to but look certainly, that up. you know, there, there's they're not what they were. Correct. Uh, but that may be the, entire, said, the entire tonal shift. It's that, not necessarily. Yeah. Well, there's that, and then that being said, I have not actually seen Gods and Monsters yet, so I haven't seen. No, nor have I. I haven't seen Tim's Return. Looking so, forward to that. Uh, it may still be the same. We don't know. Is it Tim? Is it Deanie? Who knows what it is? We should see the new Bruce Tim one to see if that actually does bring back hearts. So. That's right. Yeah. Uh, the other thing is, uh, we had the National Good, Guy- Good Games franchisee meeting this week, and I was talking with uh, the guys who run our Western Australia stores. And they sponsor a podcast, strangely enough. But uh, they've made the unusual choice of sponsoring a gaming podcast. What? Oh, what? Wow. what? That's a stretch. Just was bizarre. Um, and it's called Seven Land Hand. It's a reference to uh, Magic the Gathering. When you draw your seven cards, mm-hmm, yep. if all of them are land, that's a bit of a dick thing. Mulligan. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah, yeah. laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but uh, Seven Land Hand, all one word. Um, really nice little podcast. I don't generally... I don't generally like gaming podcasts. Uh, I much prefer to experience things for myself. Uh, but uh, but these guys are very likable. They all have. Have you ever noticed that Western Western Australians have an accent? Really? I hadn't noticed. Good eye. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. They're, they're, it's much more towards the English side of Australian. It's like they're trying to sound like we're not Australians. Well, because well, they're out in the bush. Oh, yeah, we're, a bit, <laughs> we're a bit more posh. Kind we're of we're like a bit that, more. Yes. Speaking a bit more. You see, and, and yeah. that's right. Yes. Yeah. Right. Interesting, mate. 
Uh, so <laughs> yeah, that's very intriguing. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, fucking Muppet. Yeah. No, that, that's, that, that, that's, that, that's Karen. That's, oh, we should do the can version of, um, of, of a card game podcast. Be awesome. Get so a like, dog What are we playing, mate? Magic oh, the fucking gathering. Yeah, magic the gathering, you know. Get your manor out. Yeah. Yeah, mate. Yeah. I'd tap that. God, Sarah Angel. So, uh, Sarah yeah. Angel, mate. Yeah. <laughs> so shout out to Seven Land Hand. Um, it's a cool little podcast. If you're looking for something that's not uh, not filling up your two hours from the Geek Actually feed. <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, yeah, it was cool. And speaking of two hours, we're at 47 minutes. Let's move on. 47. Uh, Who, who's got Jurassic World? I've got Jurassic World. I watched it again last night. Actually watched it on Blu-ray. On My, the Blu-ray. Does it look good? Good Lord, it's fun. Yeah. Do you know what occurred to me, though? I bought it. I haven't had a chance to rewatch it. What's really interesting is that Katie, my lovely wife Katie, watched it. She didn't see it at the cinema, so this was her first viewing. Mm. To show you how predictable that film is, because it is. I mean, mm. as, Absolutely. Much fun, as much fun as joyously it is, so. it is joyously predictable. She picked every plot turn as it's going, she goes, oh, I think he should get eaten by a raptor. Oh, I think he should do this. I think she's going to do this. I think. <laughs> Are we talking about like, you know, right before it happened or a couple of minutes? Because I would love to be sitting there watching it and someone sort of maybe 20 minutes in goes, oh, that poor secretary. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's interesting. Okay, so, so the two, the, so the two, the two uh, biggest, the two biggest complaints about Jurassic World. Now, this is coming from my wife's point of view now, so now we can hear it from, because it's, we're, let's face it, we're a bunch of pasty white guys sitting around a table. She actually watched it. You know, the whole argument about the fact that she does it in heels yeah, and heels. Yeah. This, she just, my wife looked at it, because we actually stopped it right at that moment and said, mm-hmm. so this is the part that has caused all the controversy. Mm-hmm. And my wife looked at it and goes, and when would she have changed her shoes? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she goes, no, that's perfectly reasonable. She goes, she's been out in an office all day long. Love it. You know? <laughs> so it's like, she goes, I don't see anything sexist about this at all. And then at the very end of the film, she goes, didn't she just save the day? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she goes, she goes, wasn't she a woman of power who just saved the day? What's the problem with this film? <laughs> yeah, that, that was my exact argument. Yeah, that's what's our yeah. argument. Uh, we yeah. both said this exact same thing. Yeah. So that all being said, we're not going to get into that argument again. But there you go. There's a woman's perspective for you. But just a uh, moment of silence for that poor secretary. That poor secretary. <laughs> and, and the second point that she made was, she goes, was that a really disproportionate? <laughs> they, oh, she <laughs> really copped it. Oh, <laughs> they should, they should show her like messed up in the sequel. Like she didn't die, but she's she just. Like, just mangled, like half her face is ripped off, like you know. And since then, she's got a vengeance. And that's then, the plot. And then oh, gets man. torn apart by four raptors. No, that's the plot. She's the main villain. It's Jurassic yeah. Four, Jurassic yeah. Five, they, Revenge. Yeah, they, Jeez, open, they open up a second part. <laughs> Come on, Spielberg. I'm available. Uh, uh, <laughs> I will just say about Jurassic World as well, if you haven't had a chance, go shoot over to YouTube, listen to Honest Trailers, or watch Honest Trailers. They've just released this week their Honest Trailer for Jurassic World, which is laugh out loud funny. Mm-hmm. It is really it is laugh great. out loud yeah. funny. Um, the other thing we watched, uh, my son and I have been watching Arrow uh, Season 4, Flash Season 2, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 3. Uh, uh, Wednesday, Thursday nights are like... Hero TV night. Um, and I will say that Flash season two has started strong as hell and is really good. 
Would you say super strong? Super strong, <laughs> good stuff. And I would actually, I would say, it would hit the ground running. <laughs> Some would say it's a quick watch. <laughs> would you say that after that first episode, it was getting bigger? <laughs> it seemed to go by in a flash. <laughs> I will say that Arrow season four hasn't been quite as successful. Did he save it's- every one of us? Some would say that season is a bit blunt uh, <laughs> or I- off target. Enough. Uh, Arrow season four. It's not bad by any means, but because they're changing directions at the moment, it's a little bit harrowing. (laughs) (laughs) I think it needs a bit more tricks. Order. <laughs> See, uh, Arrow season four has been having a few problems. Now, I know that you are not a big Felicity fan, and if you're not a big Felicity fan, avoid it. Oh, I think I'm diggling myself into a hole. Oh! <laughs> uh, that being said, Shield season three is pretty hot at the moment. Season Shield season three. I think if for those who I don't want to give any spoilers, but to watch May for those who've been watching the show, you know May to watch May. Get, get back into action and kick the ass of three very large guys. Um, it was just a joy to watch, especially when she concludes the entire scene when she goes, I won't tell anybody that you just had your ass kicked by a very small Asian lady. <laughs> <laughs> did it make you quake with excitement? Oh, it did. <laughs> I did. So no, so I, I think out of the three of them at the moment, Arrow is the one that is struggling a little bit, but we are waiting for a bunch of things to happen. We're waiting for the introduction of Constantine into the oh. series. We are waiting for Damien Dark to really get kicking into what he's doing. And we're waiting to find out a little bit more about Speedy at the moment, because for those who have been watching last season, you'll know that she had an unfortunate incident with the Lazarus pit. And, uh, we're seeing repercussions of that now. Mm. So uh, it's a it's a very Do you love me a good Lazarus pit. Yeah, Lazarus pit's good fun. Uh, and there is a reveal at the end of the most recent ep- episode of Arrow, which I won't spoil, but it is kind of like yeah. <laughs> 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 so uh, yeah, so yeah, do watch, do enjoy. I like them, Dave. What have you been reading? Watch. Oh, and the other thing I've been reading though was Star Wars comics. Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> Dave, what have you been reading, watching, and um, feeling, and groping, and masturbating? <laughs> I did. I did all. I did all of those yesterday. <laughs> um, I, I, I went to watch a movie on the big screen. One of my favorite movies of all time. And um, I'll just do this. I love that film so much, and I think you're out of tone on the last one, but that's all right. <laughs> you do better. No, no, I can't do it. Yeah. I'm pitched down. What's the the um the the chanting? I can't remember. I was trying to think of it during the movie. It's like coming on now. Something like, but it's within the tones of the thing. For yeah. those who don't know, we're talking about Close Encounters. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and if you didn't know that, shame on you. Really, Close Encounters yeah. is is a masterpiece, and it's been through several different versions. What version were they showing? They were showing the original theatrical edition. The original theatrical, which is yeah. not Spielberg's preferred version. No, and um, uh, it was actually at one of those events. Uh, it's called In the House, the cult cinemas. That That's are, the cult uh, cinema yeah, event. The, you, I think you had talked about going to one. We saw Kira. Uh, Akira, yeah. yeah. So it had the two guys at yeah. the front of it. Yeah, and Ardala. Was there as well. When we did Akira, Ardala was also one of the hosts, the oh, cosplayer. Right. Oh, cool. Yeah, sure. Uh, it was just the two guys there. And so they were talking a little bit about the trivia before you watched the movie. And it was a really cool event, yeah. actually. Yeah. Um, but they, they, they were saying, because I knew, I, well, you and I both, Dave, like we know the history of Close Encounters. Very like, much so. Yes. Back and front. Like, um, and I, I did feel that they had said a few inaccurate things. Their trivia on Akira wasn't entirely accurate either. I think yeah. what they do is they read the Wikipedia page and they regurgitate it. And as we know, Wikipedia is not mm. always accurate. Yeah. So, um, so I think so, the thing that yeah. really blew my mind about 
Close Encounters when I first saw it was just the notion that aliens would not communicate using language like we would. Mm. Yes. Because uh, yeah. I saw it when I was quite young and, and I just remember that really sticking with me that, you know, aliens were actually kind of alien mm-hmm. <laughs> as opposed to what you but see on But what's really interesting what is if you, break down, if you break down the math, the, the music, it comes down to math. Of and course. And they communicate through mathematics, yeah, yeah. which is almost universal. The universal right? language, yeah. Um, what I was going to say is just for, just for clarity so our listeners know, my understanding, and I could be wrong, but my understanding, and I've, I've studied Spielberg my entire life, so but my understanding is that he you only le- got ninety eight percent on that last test. <laughs> <laughs> he released the theatrical version. He actually there was a few scenes he wanted back into yep. the film. He lobbied, but they so- couldn't afford to. No, do it and so he time. lobbied Sony, or at the time it was Columbia. Mm-hmm. He lobbied Columbia and basically said, "I will create a special edition if I can shoot these additional things." And they said, "On the grounds that you show the inside of the ship." Yeah. So he didn't want to show the inside of the ship, but he said to get the million dollars to actually go shoot the additional stuff, such as the freighter in the desert mm-hmm. was one of them. Um, he shot the interior of the ship. Then when it came out years later, he released his director's cut. And his director's cut has all the additional stuff that he shot for the special edition, mm-hmm. plus the stuff he cut out. Because when yeah. he released the special edition, he actually cut it scenes out. It was like, out. I think, 16 minutes shorter, I believe. Yeah, he actually cut out the scene, my fa- one of my favorite scenes in the entire film, which is he cut out the part where the guy goes, I saw Bigfoot yeah, once. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's the beautiful moment of... Um, of, of Roy, like putting all just the stuff face palming, just yeah, yeah. Oh, like you're just ruining our cause. And here. he also shortened the very famous scene of him showing all throwing all the garbage through the windows and his wife leaving. Yes, yeah. that entire scene was massacred for the special mm, edition. Yeah. So on the final cut, when he finally released it to Blu-ray, he actually released all of the stuff that he had cut, everything he had added. And took away the inside of the spaceship. So yeah. basically, he got the version he wanted finally, That's right. and that is the preferred Spielberg version to yeah. watch. There was there was a lot of confusion too because uh, when they started the, I, I wouldn't call it. Oh, a and he added a when tour. you wish upon a star. Yes, I, I would yeah. love yeah. that. Like, I think we might that make that a geeky academic, uh, wanky academic question for the future. Is you know, does the director's version take precedence over the original or not? Wanky question. Put it onto Facebook. What's yep. the question? Say it again. So, and, you'll, and you'll put this up today. So when there is a director's preferred version yep. of a of a film, do we as an audience have an obligation to prefer or watch that version or as the, original the original theatrical? Yeah. That's a really, yeah. really damn and that, good that's question. a really good question to ask with Close Encounters because Close Encounters, I well, believe, is the very first director's cut. If not, well, yeah. and there's if, another if, elephant if, in the room there, of early, course, as yeah. well, which is which is Star Wars. Star Wars, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then I guess because they're both seventy seven. Uh, then you got Blade Runner coming, I guess, around the corner. What's interesting about well, Spielberg? Which of the nineteen versions of Blade yeah, Runner? Yeah. The yeah. Thing, yeah, Well, there's there's five versions of Blade Runner official, um, and and I've seen them all, and mm-hmm. by far the the best version. And I'm going to say this as a caveat to this, but the best version is the ultimate cut. The yeah, the final, the final cut. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. Like, yeah. I saw it in four K, and it was oh, mm-hmm. wow. However, yeah. sentimentally. My favorite cut is the theatrical cut with the voiceover. Yeah, and the that's actually really interesting because yeah. that's the yeah. one I saw for years. That's I something I, that. I want to pick up because uh, when they said during uh, the introduction, like that we're playing the original 1977 yeah. version, um, people gasped, mm. and there were people to the to the right of us. We were very close, uh, and um, uh, just another quick thing. I'm getting ahead of myself, but like it was sold out. 
Yeah, so was Akira. Yeah, and, and it was I'm not it was surprised. incredible. Right. Yeah, and um, when we got there, we thought, oh, yeah, it'll probably be half filled or whatever, you know. Yeah, you actually said to me at one point, yeah. you go, you should join us. And back in my yeah. mind, I'm going, there are not going to be any yeah. seats. We, we, because we watched uh, Crimson Peak earlier in the day at around one o'clock. So when we got tickets for that, we um, we were like, oh, we'll buy some tickets for Close Encounters. And we needed three seats in a, in together. And it was really difficult. Like, we had to sit right in the real front. Mm. But um, but that ended up being a plus because the cinema itself was, you know, yeah, there yeah. was a fair enough gap or whatever. But um, the people to the to the right, um, they were quite old, you know, like way old. Like they would have been in their twenties when Close Encounters right. came out, right? You know, um, and they 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 audibly said like quite loud. You, I, th- I thought the whole cinema could have heard it, which that's the version I saw in when I, when I was younger. Mm-hmm. You know, like, um, and it's crazy to think like that, uh, like that the special editions and the director's cuts that have come later have don't have that same. No, the special because there remember. really is a strong nostalgic. The special edition came out in to, 1980, dude. We're talking about yeah. It was there were, and this is before the days of home video, which means that we didn't have multiple multiple viewings mm. on a film before a special edition That's came right. out. So yeah. the special edition was the theatrical re-release yeah. of this film, and this yeah. is what happened. And you people know? people brought uh, the the vinyl of the soundtrack. Yep. Just to hold it while they were watching it, there were um, mm. there were people that uh, awesome. that were sign interpreters, you know, that that had come because the movie had, you know, helped them educate others with sign mm-hmm. language, and you know, it's just like really interesting how many people that the film actually touches, you know, like um, because when you watch it, it's it's incredible, it's astonishing, it's an amazing film. But um, why I wanted to bring up like the the different versions of the movie is because when it started it was like extraordinarily grainy and the people introducing it didn't know what it was played on like someone um, yelled out like is it on film and like it was a bit of a it would have been digital it was digital it was 100 yeah. percent digital when, when we saw it yeah uh, but i don't know if it was blu-ray it felt it felt like dvd quality no it would have been blu-ray because you couldn't project a blu-ray you couldn't yeah. project a dvd yeah. to that size this is what we're because it looked it really looked grainy. no but if you look at if you you can you can project a dvd they do it they do it quite often no they do actually. but the quality is crap but what i'm saying yeah, is the if quality you is bad. but if you I used to work in a cinema and they they uh, all the kids films that you go and see are projected on, on I would dvd say not blu-ray i would say it is blu-ray at least back then because i think the dvd the blu-ray actually has both versions that's mm-hmm. what i'd really like to yeah. know yeah because I, I couldn't tell because it didn't look awful. And the opening but, scene has always been very grainy because yeah. it's so dark. But this is the kind yeah. of thing it's like I, I'm I'm not I'm not sort of complaining about it because like if it had been DVD, it still looked amazing. Mm-hmm. Like, but having it not be the greatest transfer in the world really added to mm-hmm. the effect of watching it. Like, um, I don't know. There was just something about like really fi- feeling like you were transported back to when, when it I was saw released. Akira. Like, um, it was a digital. It was a digital copy as yeah. well. And um, part of the frame was actually faulty. So it's like in the opening, you could actually see the edge of the frame. Oh, like that's it, like, cool. And it's like, yeah. it's like, oh man, fix your digital projector. Yeah. But when I saw Alien, when Richard and I went to see Alien mm-hmm. in Melbourne at the Astor Theater, the guy actually made a point. He said, this is 35 mil. Yeah. And I it was like Alien watching in, uh, it in wow. 35 mil. I saw that like, yes. back in 2002, <laughs> yeah. I think when he first did the director's cut of Alien. Yep. Yeah, and that would have been filmed back then. Yeah. That was an amazing experience. Two quick points I want to pull up here. Um, the first is, it is amazing. It is a wonderful, wonderful thing, and please all go and do it when you get the chance, to go and see films that you either saw as a child mm-hmm. or didn't didn't get to see in the cinema and have only seen at home mm-hmm. on the cinema screen. Uh, a couple of years ago, I was lucky enough to go and see... Um, 
Bela Lugosi's White Zombie. Oh, beautiful! Yeah, um, damn. With the first, a with first a zombie film, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But with a with a live string quartet doing the music. Yeah, oh, uh, nice. silent film. Yeah, I and saw that. It the, was the, it was the most yeah. amazing yeah. evening of entertainment. Yeah, to actually I've go actually and see that, that and sit in that. I saw uh, the Gold Rush. Yeah, at the the Sydney Opera House. With oh, that's the, beautiful. The, the orchestra. Yeah. But but I mean you know that wasn't a film I had any particular attachment to, um, but it was wonderful mm. to see. And then since then you know uh, a couple of years ago I got to go and see uh, the Princess Bride on the big screen again, and um, mm. and that film uh, that is a film I am passionately in love with. But to actually see it on the big screen and have those moments again, you know, mm. was just such a it's wonderful one my, feeling. It's one of the big uh, things that I miss about Melbourne is because I grew up in Melbourne and we had the Valhalla and we had mm. the Astor. Yeah, the Astor's where I saw White Zombie. Yeah, mm. and uh, I used to go see double features regularly at the Astor, which is a revival house, and of course the Valhalla used to do. We used to have a Valhalla in Sydney as well. But mm. We did. Down. Yeah. Um, we don't really have a revival house here. Well, We've well, got the Orpheum, but yeah, it but, doesn't show but enough. The Orpheum, the, the Palace, the... Um, you know the the event cinemas, the Dendi in Newtown. Yeah, but it's not well, even like, the Opera House has started having a couple of things once in a while. But it's yeah. not as well. I've, it's I've not seen a few at the Opera House. Like, I've, as I saw these um, other cinemas. That's, that's true. The the, was yeah. every night. That's yeah. right. And Astor was every yeah, night. Yeah, yeah. No, I know? guess. I guess. Yeah, but it, it's still like there's something happening once a week at least, which is something like because for me, like I've I've in the last five years got to see so many of my favorite films on the big screen. Mm. I wonder it's like, if it's I'm, a cultural yeah. shift. Because but but I, but I got to say because I've never been to Melbourne. I was I never like we are going to the one day. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. I'd love to go, but the kind of thing is, I, I've I spent like a huge chunk of my of my young life just wishing to see these movies on the big screen. They never ever play them. Maybe once a year, you'd get you'd get something here in Sydney. Yeah, yeah. and so now in the last five years, it's like I feel like I'm just. I'm, I'm I'm getting my payback. You know, you when know, I like, was, like, that's of, why I, I took the night off work to go and see Close Encounters. One of the greatest. Because it was just like would. I have yeah. to see it on the big screen. Absolutely. It's like, there's no excuse. It's Spielberg. Like, one of the greatest. Yeah. Uh, and now I've seen like like six or seven of the Spielberg films that were made before I was born on the big screen. That's great. Which is amazing. Have you seen Jaws on the big screen? Yeah, I have. Yeah, yeah. Jaws on the mm-hmm. big screen. Mm-hmm. I've seen Jewel on the big screen. Um, uh, that was never yeah. meant for the big screen. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. Which is never meant for the big screen. And in fact, if you watch it yeah. on the big screen, here's some trivia for you. Keep your eyes open. Because if you yeah. watch Jewel on the big screen, you can see Steven Spielberg. Yes, yeah, uh-huh. there's the, the, uh-huh. the, in the rearview mirror. No, he's in, in the back the, seat. Uh, there's actually yeah, a, there's one the, shot. Through the rearview mirror. There's one shot that shows... It's from the front, mm. and you actually see uh, the star of the film driving the car. And if you look to the corner of screen, Spielberg's sitting in the back seat issuing instructions to him because the film yeah. was meant to be cropped to a four by three. Oh, there you go. And yeah. because when it's shown on a film screen, he's not cropped out. Yeah. And Spielberg actually hates the fact it's shown on the big screen As because would, it's yeah. not meant yeah. to be shot that way. You know, yeah. it's meant yeah. to be cropped to four by I've three. I've seen I've seen Clerks on the big screen twice, which to I've me was really yeah, special. Clerks just, is great. Um, you know, I've seen Fight Club on the big screen. Mm. I know that's like a relatively early movie, but when that came out I was like mm, I was yeah. not old enough to watch it on the big screen but I wonder if this is you know, part of a cultural shift away from away from cinema um, I've been, but no what I think it, it is seems is, to be happening what I think is there was a huge cultural shift Look, away from yeah. cinema and I think it's what's starting to now, come back people want yeah. to see the stuff on the big screen but mm. all the revival houses that existed at that time have all shut down that's right because everybody went away into Blu-ray but it didn't yeah. used to be just the revival house either I remember as a teenager we went to Rocky Horror Picture Show on a Friday night you know mm. and the show would Start at midnight, mm. and everyone would be in costume, and there was the audience participation. It was marvelous. The cult yeah. films, that and Blues Brothers, would be the other example. Yeah, those are special. But they were cases. at Hoyts. Yeah, but yeah. they were special cases as well because they generated this whole audience participation thing. That's right. I'm just talking about the idea of being able to go to a cinema and say, "Oh, tonight I feel like going to see 2001." Yeah, on the big oh, yeah. screen. Yeah, you yeah. know, yeah, that'd be Which, great. 
I, I, did. I, 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 saw, saw, I saw 2001 at the Sydney Opera House with a live accompaniment orchestra. Oh, well, that's nice. And that's it so was cool. astounding. But I saw... Asto- I, I've, I've watched that movie maybe once every six months for from my, when I can remember. 2001 and, was and re-released. That, it, it went the quickest that it ever went. Yeah, like, well, you 2000- know, the cor- they had a male <laughs> choir just going, oh, <laughs> and you, you, you felt and like and you were going to And explode. those poor people had to do it for 15 minutes at the start yeah, of the film. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> 2001 was actually... Re- Stored and a 70 millimeter print was issued mm. and was shown for like a week at the Astor. It was like a, a, an event. And they did that. They did the restored version of Spartacus. They did the restored version of Lawrence of Arabia. Mm. They did, and these are. Astor actually has a 70 mil projector. So you're seeing the original prints, oh, the original fantastic. theatrical prints. Now, the Astor, we should point out, we did a story. Several months ago now, where we actually said the Astor was looking like it was going to close its doors because mm. they were having a dispute with the owner of the building and it looked like their lease wasn't going to re- be restored. I read something recently that said that it had been saved. So it looks like yeah. the Astor is going to stick around for I a have, while. There's one that I have, like, um, and I'm, I, I would kill to see it on the big screen. It's like the only one, and I, I, and I don't know if I'll ever get a chance in my life to do it. 1998 Godzilla. No. <laughs> I, I saw that. I saw, I saw that on the big screen. Me too. Yeah, yeah, um, <laughs> no, which is the South Park movie. Like, oh, I've I saw that. I saw yeah, that. I've, yeah, yeah. I've, I never got to see it on the big screen. I had a pirated VHS. It was. And, um, yeah, it was pretty good on the big screen. I was, I was like yeah. only like twelve years old when it came out. I can. I can you know, see like, why that would be one of your bucket list <clears> yeah. movies. And it's yeah. just my. It's my bucket list to see on the big screen. Because I. Because and that. What's so fucked up about that is that like all my bucket list movies I've seen on the big screen. One of the big. Like, one of the like uh, works I've seen on the big screen. Pulp Fiction I've seen. <laughs> on the big screen. Like, this know, is like, not a bad thing. Have you seen Dogma on the big screen? Dogma is really good. No, on the big I'd screen. love to see Dogma. Can, on the can big I just screen, state that every yeah. film that you've mentioned, I actually saw Goodfellas. in first release. Yeah, I know. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah I, know. Like, I saw them at the cinema like, in first release. Like Goodfellas on the big I screen. Saw I saw that on the big screen. You know, like uh, it, I saw it's that in insane. first And and like and October thirtieth, I'm getting to see Evil Dead two. Oh, cool! Yeah, and, I saw that on the big screen on the same night. Yeah, yeah. I, I saw seven on the big screen. I've, I've, I've had some, I've, I've had some, some horrible experiences doing this. You know, I, I saw Clockwork Orange on the big screen, and it was terrible. I, I hated it. You know, I, I, I absolutely adore the movie. Like, and Kubrick is was like, it that they hadn't restored idols. it or done anything? No, it was it's just that everybody paid it out and made fun of it the oh, whole right. way through. It's like people walked in there, like, oh, it's a, it's a classic stoner film or something. You know, like every line of dialogue received a, oh, you know, or a, um, or like people singing along to singing in the rain. It is the, you know, like, it is the, it is actually the hazard you run with cult films. Yeah, so. it's true. So when when you when you're seeing evil, something that evil is cultish, dead. Evil, evil Dead, dead Two is going to be crazy. I wanted to kill myself. E- evil Dead Two. Which will, is coming up in October. Will be amazing. And it will be crazy. It, it's supposed to be a comedy. Yeah. You On know, the bright but, side. But Evil Dead One, I, I, I felt like I felt like absolutely wanted to kill myself. I almost walked out because it was packed. Everybody there was high and they were there to, to laugh at it and feel good about themselves because they were watching like some shit film. Yeah, yeah. You know, and and I'm there going like you know, I've I've loved and admired this movie my whole life, and and I feel like everyone's making fun of it. Can I tell you, you the know, one of the great? Ex- bad. It's like why come? Why why yeah. go to this event? Well, because they're having fun. One of the greatest. Yeah, the- I guess. But that yeah. fuck you. They're, one of the great. One yeah. of the greatest <laughs> moments. One of the greatest yeah. uh, moments for me would have been when Godfather Three was coming out, mm. um, which I think Godfather Three is actually relatively mediocre but I mean it's it's okay but when you compare it to the originals it's nothing mm. but what they did at Greater Union in Melbourne is just before Godfather 3 came out they did a season of Godfather 1 and 2 on the big screen you could buy a season ticket so you could go to see both films over the course of a couple of weeks and I got to see Godfather 1 and 2 yeah. restored and on the big screen that would be cool and it was a glorious experience. Mm. And it was it's a Godfather. If you've only ever experienced Godfather on home video, you haven't experienced 
experience the Godfather. Yeah. Simple as that. Yeah. Because of the color saturation of the blacks and everything else, you can't experience that unless you see it on film. Yeah, that's something I'd like it's to just, do. Yeah. Even on Blu-ray, the Blu-rays of the Godfather are actually terrible. They're really grainy. Yeah. I um, saw the Apocalypse Now Redux. I saw on that, the big yeah. screen. Uh, and Scarface. Even well, some recent films, like I didn't get to see Pacific Rim on the big screen, but uh, having seen Pacific Rim now, I would love to see yeah, Pacific, see Rim, Pacific on the big Rim, Rim on the big screen. Pacific Rim on the big screen is a, like I remember because I when when I saw Pacific Rim, I was on I was on a film project in Penrith, and um and we had to go to the Penrith Hoyts to watch it, and yeah. I'd been looking forward to that film. Fuck, as you guys know, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. my obsession with Guillermo del Toro Guillermo. is like you know I I had to stop what I was doing and go and watch it. And the we need some theme music for Guillermo. Yeah. <laughs> but the closest you know um, it was the tiniest screen and I just felt like oh god just take a quick you know, little like, cut of mariachi you know yeah. <laughs> yeah. but then I, I saw Pacific Rim four Gypsy times four, <laughs> four times in cinema and, and uh, three of them were in IMAX you know so, and, and Pacific Rim and IMAX so like, a couple of quick things to wrap this up because we are at we're an hour and 11 minutes <laughs> um, is that there's nothing quite like uh, being in a cinema and having people throw rice at you um, ah, yeah, yeah. They uh, or spoons, and and just if to come back to, to don't forget room. this is yeah. this is going to be a wanky academic question: is director's cut versus uh, original cut? You know, is there a, a justification or an importance mm-hmm. to watch one or the other? Um, I'm really curious about, uh, and I don't want to talk about this now, but uh, Days of Future Past, the Rogue cut, which came out a couple of months later, we at the time sort of felt it was a bit of a money grab, but I haven't actually seen anyone sit down and say. Here's the merits of watching one versus the other. And I'll tell you actually, next week. Yeah, no, no, I, I, I know. But that'll, that, I, I think that there's lots of different approaches that directors have taken to recutting films and, uh, and it's really interesting as a topic. Mm. See, I guess like, like, yeah, we'll have to talk, definitely talk about like, like what they should do with the original when they, when they bring a director. I'll just junk it straight away. Yeah. Let's stick a pin in all of this and we'll come back to it in the next one because I wanted to go back to Star Trek. I think we I'll... might have to skip it again. <laughs> yeah. oh, no, let's damn. push on. Let's do it. Nah, let's do nah, Trek. Nah. Let's skip it and save it. It's season four. It's the best. Every time we do it, it well, gives that, me more well, chance Well, that's to why we want to save it too because it, it is the best and there's going to be a lot to talk about. We're going to save all right, it all right. and instead yeah. we're going to do a little <laughs> bit. Voyager, Jamie. And like, instead, and we, need to, we need to draw it out. Don't bury the lead on how bad Voyager is. Uh, instead, <laughs> can I just say what well, this? I'll address something quickly for um for for Star Trek. As as good as Jerry Ryan is to look at, there is they they have brought nothing else to season four. <laughs> nothing else. Yeah, and um and and I'm now down to one a week. I can't. Wow. I can't. He's like, watching it in real time now. I'm so angry. I'm <laughs> Just so like angry the ship, you run out of yeah. energy halfway through. Like, oh. like she's so great to look at, and, and but they but they have done nothing. And here's a, here's a little piece they of trivia gone, That's all we need. Jerry she's Ryan just joined the cast Arrow. Of Arrow. That's right. Uh, yeah, right. There you go. So Arrow's using the same tactic. It's like this will keep. Except oh my not, god. Oh my god. Not, it is season four as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she's not wearing. She's not wearing a cat suit now anymore. Anyway, we're going to jump into a bit of this new section for us. We're going to skip Star Trek. We'll come back to it next week. Sorry for those who are waiting. But we will come to it. I'm next waiting week, too. But we're <laughs> going to skip Sorry, to <laughs> this. <laughs> That's going to lead us into. We're going to leave this playing in the back. Yeah, right? I just wanted to say that um, that I found uh, a collection of alternate takes that the orchestra did for uh, for the Star Wars main title, right. and um, 
and they they did 19 variations until they got it perfect. Of that hit. And and I I, I will have to bring them in next week and play some of them. Cool. They're phenomenal. Well, I will listen to those. Just just how how much the slightest millisecond of a, a section of the orchestra makes a giant difference. All right, we're going to run out of music if we don't get on to this. <laughs> All right. So, I have the new Star Wars trivia game right here. I'm surprised Dave hasn't seen this because for $7, it can be yours from Kmart. Oh! <laughs> but you're not allowed to buy it now because uh, well, you're, not, allowed, you're now. not allowed to go ahead and look at these. So, these are specifically for Dave, but if you can't answer them, we can pass off to Jamie. Okay? <laughs> All right, so. If he can't answer them, <laughs> uh, I might not be able to. Well, you know, I don't know. I don't know. We're going to start from easy, and we're, we're going to start from easy, and we're going to go a little bit harder. Have you right? got a buzzer? Let's see. I know it's just you. <laughs> Let's see how deep we can go. All right, so question number one What did Han Solo say to Princess Leia after she said, I love you? A. <laughs> I don't even need, uh, need no, those. Multiple choice. It's multiple I choice. I know the answer. <laughs> <laughs> it's A, I love you too. B, I know. C, finally she admits it. <laughs> and D, will you marry me? <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah, it's, uh, it's I know. <laughs> okay, cool. All right, let's go to... Which actor portrayed Lobot? <laughs> oh. A, Julian Glover. B, no. Michael Sherd. C, John Hollis, or D, Milton Johns? Uh, John Hollis rings a bell, is that right? That is correct, yeah. sir. Wow. <laughs> Nicely done. All right. Who arrived just before Han Solo at Cloud City, leaving Lando Calrissian? Leaving Lando Calrissian. Leaving him out. Okay. Doesn't that sound like a like 90s Jessica Lange movie? <laughs> leaving Lando <laughs> Calrissian. <laughs> a, Luke Skywalker. B, Miners. C, The Empire. Or D, Yoda. It's, it'd be the Empire. It's it? the Empire, yeah, sir. Yeah. Thank you very much. All right, let's have a look here. I've just made a deal with keep the <laughs> Empire. <laughs> uh, what did Han Solo ask Chewbacca to bring him when he was trying to repair the hyperdrive motivator? Um, yeah, I, um, a hydro spanner. Very nice. Yeah. What we'll do is I won't read the multiple choice unless you need a clue. Okay, yeah, And then sure. we'll do that, mm -hmm. okay? Okay. All right. What did Luke Skywalker ask Yoda about his vision of the future? Uh, yeah, I'll need a clue for this. A, what were they wearing? B, will they die? C, can I help them? Or D, how far into the future is it? Oh, shit. Uh, give me them again. A, what are they wearing? B, will they die? C, can I help them? Or D, how far into the future is help it? Me, I, I help, help me, Obi-Wan. Help me, Obi-Wan. C. <laughs> C, can I help them? Is that it? That is incorrect, sir. Oh, the shit. answer is, will they die? Yeah, right. That was and me. He said, that was me and Yoda my... would actually answer always emotions in the future. Sure. Difficult was, yeah. to see. That was yeah. me hitting my buzzer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, let's all right, all right. I think for fairness sake, we're going to let Jamie have one. Yeah, no, oh, okay, sure. sure. Right. Jamie so Jamie, that too, like uh, no, I'm just reveling in the joy of your love of Star Wars. What guild did Princess Leia ask Lando whether Cloud City was a part of? Ooh. Would you like I've the options? I've got a guess, options? but please give me the options, yeah. The options are the Taibana Guild, B, the Mining Guild, C, the Gasworkers Guild, or D, the Ugnot Guild. Ooh, was it was it the Mining Guild? It was the Mining yeah. Guild, sir. Very nicely done. Uh, Dave. Yep. <laughs> who said the Force is with you, young Skywalker, but you are not a Jedi yet? Yeah. Uh, that that would be uh, either the either Vader or the em Emperor. Either. 
I, I will give you the clues here and say A, Yoda, B, Darth Vader, C, Obi-Wan Kenobi, or D, the Emperor. Ooh. Yeah, it'd be the Emperor, wouldn't it? It was Darth Vader. Ah. The Force is with you, young Skywalker. Okay. The Force is with This is open to either of you. Okay. What was standard Imperial procedure when going into light speed? Oh, God. This, these are confusing. So can questions, we hear? Can we hear? Not that specific. Alerting all ships of intended course. B. Routine check of all devices. C. Dumping the garbage. Or D. A ah. test fight. Help test me, everyone, flight. Kenobi. It, it would be A. Help me, everyone, Kenobi. That's Jamie. It's dumping the garbage. It is dumping the garbage, <laughs> sir. Remember when the Katashi goes, it's standard Imperial procedure to yeah, dump, uh-huh. dump the garbage. <laughs> Thank you for Shit, playing. <laughs> I told you they start easy and get harder. <laughs> I probably know a lot more about the making of the movie than I do about like, About the movie itself, like, yeah. No, stuff like that. Like, and we will come back to that new section next week. <laughs> Very cool. <laughs> All right. Ben With that being said, <laughs> I think it means it's time to go into the news. And the truth! Shall set you free. Now we're going to go through this pretty quick because we're already an hour and twenty minutes in. So let's fly through this. Jamie, hit me with it. We relay. We reported a little while ago that uh, Dan Jurgens was writing Superman and uh, Lois and Clark for the new DC universe, mm-hmm. um, and bringing and back- Dean Kane was coming back to start. No, sorry, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> and bringing back the pre-Flashpoint uh, Lois and Clark and their son Jonathan to. The modern universe. There's uh, a little bit more in information has come out this week, uh, and that is that this is happening in the same universe as the current Superman comic, and they have been living there quietly, not being Superman and not saying anything, watching as the New Fifty Two went on, basically, and and well, uh, briefly. So are they effectively from another Earth? Yeah, briefly. The article sort of says that uh, that yes, Superman has been going out and doing stuff, but just you know, not actually wearing colors or letting himself be seen, and uh, and that this is starting to lead to problems because their son is noticing that stuff is going on and there's secrets being kept in the house and what's going, mm-hmm. what is it? And that seems to be the thrust of the series: is how are these people in the same universe, and what are they going to do, and how does it all unfold? Uh, so. It's not what I thought we were getting, but I'm kind of curious about it. Look, I'm curious. It kind of is more of the same from DC at this point, though. I don't know. I'd have to have a look at it and see what I think. Well, but. it's interesting. I mean, we were talking before the show about uh, both DC and Marvel. That They both seem to be sort of floating in this we-don't-know-what-we-want-to-be area. A bit lost. Area yeah, at the moment. they're all a bit lost at the moment. Anyway. Oh, well, moving on. We'll keep keep our eyes on yeah, that one. Look, it, I think it could be interesting, and I, I do appreciate that they're Dave, does bringing Clark back the Lowe's pre- Dave, does book interest you? Oh, like, I don't know. Um, You're the man who hasn't read DC since no, but, but, Convergence. Yeah, so. I know, but I'll always give a number one a shot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's the pre-Flashpoint thing that really gets me. When in. does this come out? Is it this month? Uh, I think it's... I think it's Come out in the states just now, the first right. one. Okay. So, um, so it should be out soon. Should be out now. So, all right. Okay. Oh, this I love this story. I saw this earlier today. The story this is, is amazing. I was showing my son this yesterday, and he was just dumbfounded. Uh, an engineering student has built a real life Thor's hammer that only he can lift. Yeah. So this is Alan Pan, and he put a, video, a YouTube video out there. You can actually have a look at it. He built a 
replica of <laughs> Thor's hammer with an electromagnet in it and a thumbprint reader in the handle. So when his thumb is on it, it deactivates <laughs> the electromagnet. <laughs> Otherwise, he sticks it to manhole covers and stuff and you can't lift the goddamn thing. It's genius. And now all he needs to do is find a way for it to yeah, shoot lightning right. and, <laughs> and, and that he can throw it and you know he hangs on. That'd yeah. be great. And so, uh, the only limitation, of course, is it has to be on metal for this to work. Yeah. But, you know, but it is awesome. What a great <laughs> idea. What a great world we live in where geeks are engineers and do that sort of thing. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Um, Mark Ruffalo's Hulk confirmed for Thor Ragnarok. This was a rumor last week and now it's confirmed. Yeah, so so Hulk is in the next Thor movie, which is titled Ragnarok and happens largely, as from what we've seen, not on Earth, it's in Asgard. So that was one hell of a Quinjet ride that he flew all the way to Asgard. (laughs) Although it, it sort of has been established previously that Asgard seems to connect to space somehow. Yeah. Um, so who knows how that's happening. But, you know, like, wow, um, Hulk and Thor team-up movie, that is pretty much the good parts of Especially the Avengers for me. these two are responsible for the greatest sucker punch of all time. Oh, so. man. <laughs> and, and, like, for me, I mean, The Avengers was an okay film, but the the Hulk and Thor relationship really stood mm. out to me. Um, you know, they, they were fun. So it's a, it's a great premise. My guess is going to be that Thor in... A fit of desperation is going to seek out Banner because he needs that strength. Well, yeah, and the other—I mean, the other thing that's happened is that uh, in the comics, uh, Hulk for a while was known as the World Breaker. Mm. So for it to be Ragnarok and have the World Breaker, you know, there's some suggestion there. Uh, it's also uh, one of the classic Avengers plots was Loki possessing the Hulk and yeah. attacking the Avengers. It was so, the very, very first Avengers story. That's right. So well, so there's the potential there that, you know, we're actually hearkening back to the really early stuff and uh, and trying to bring Hulk in as controlled by Loki as the enemy. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, whatever ends up happening, it's all speculation at the moment. I'm excited. I am too. This, this could be good. I was worried because Ruffalo wasn't in Civil War. Now we know why. That's right. Okay, moving on. What else we got? <laughs> I was just picking the Did whole you snow. pass the picture? <laughs> pass the picture. Uh, oh, wait, wait, wait. Oh, wait, wait, Oh, we don't wait. want to do that yet. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I think we do, actually. Let me have a look. That is... Oh, no, we got one more. Gripping radio, people. No, we got one more. We got one more. <laughs> There's a moment <laughs> We have one more. We have one more. The corner actually, I, going you jumped us. You jumped the gun. Actually, I have one that I want to quickly add in that's not there, which is that uh, we just got solicited in the store yesterday for the next... Game from the people who did the DC deck building game. Yeah, it is the Cartoon Network deck building game, uh, which has, uh, which has, amongst other people, Samurai Jack as a playable character in it, which just rocks my world. But you're also you're also getting sort of uh, Adventure Time and you know all that stuff. (laughs) We jumped the gun a little bit because the uh, the Hulk story was actually in our film news, so we've actually jumped sections. But we'll come back to that because we have one more geek story before we move on, which we forgot to open the page (laughs) for. This I loved. You can actually buy this now if you're a fan of Where's Waldo or Where's Wally, depending on what country you come from. uh, Somebody has actually gone ahead and actually made Where's the (laughs) Wookiee, and it's all set in the Star Wars world, and it's the same thing, but you just got to find the. They did a Doctor Who Mm. one of these as well, and it's. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. The artwork is amazing, and I gotta tell you, I've been looking through this picture. I haven't found the Wookiee yet. <laughs> so, I can see so many Jawas, though. <laughs> there's so many Jawas, uh, but yeah, there's a whole book of it. You can actually get this on uh, Amazon now. So it is available. <laughs> so, with that being said, let's do this. <laughs> Hi. 
All right, couple things, real quick. First of all, the Hulk's coming to uh, <laughs> <Ragnarok>. <laughs> That's a film. That's a piece of film news, technically. I know. <laughs> and uh, this we've already alluded to, which is that the it's because we're Awak- rushing through so much. Yeah, <laughs> the Star Wars Force Awakens trailer has been confirmed now. I think it was rumored once again, but this has now been confirmed that this and a new poster are coming out. Coming on Monday. Uh, the poster will be out Sunday. The trailer will be out Monday. The rumors are flying thick and fast at the moment, but uh, the one that I really like is that we're going to see Kylo Ren's face. Oh. I'm really excited about that. Apparently there's also, I mean, this is again, you know, all rumor mill, but uh, footage of uh, Han and Chewbacca at the controls of the Millennium Falcon. Apparently there's been a bit of a a uh, a pot stir at the moment with everybody kind of going, ooh, because apparently on one of the top's trading cards, it actually shows Rey. Flying Millennium Falcon, and everybody's Ooh. going, Why is she flying Millennium Falcon? Yeah. Um, Finn, Finn with his lightsaber is supposed to be in there. Um, R2? Well, you'd hope so. It no, says here that here. it's going to end with a close up of Mark Hamill's Luke Skywalker. Yeah. Igniting his iconic green lightsaber. As yeah. opposed to Mark Hamill's, what, um, the transports are away voiceover guy from the <laughs> Empire? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so yes, very excited, and we will talk about this in and in, in depth on the next show. I think it's really interesting. I'm just looking at the footage here that does exist of uh, of John Boyega with the uh, lightsaber with the lightsaber. The green lightsaber in the darkness pops so much better than the blue. Mm. Like that that final scene of Return where they're dueling with the green lightsaber. With yeah. the green lightsaber looks amazing. And I this, think that this lightsaber one look, is going to get passed around a lot. This one looks good, but it's uh, that um, just doesn't pop. That looks the same like way Anakin's lightsaber from there. That's this, Luke's original. Yeah. 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 Yeah, which was Anakin's. Yeah. Which yeah. was Anakin's first yeah. lightsaber. Yeah. Time to make some new lightsabers, people. Your universe yeah. is too big to my, only have my, two. My, my, <laughs> my bet at the moment is that Rey is related to <clears throat> Kylo Ren. It's Ren and Rey, and they're twins. Ooh. That's, Ooh I think interesting. That's, I think it's my, my So she would be Kylo so she's Rey. The good, she's the good Jedi. He's the bad Jedi. And Mine is that uh, Finn's last name is Calrissian. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's racist, sir. No, it's no, not. no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you never know. You, would, never, you, look, never, would, you never know anything. It really. wasn't that bad. It'd be worse if I said, my name is Finn Calrissian. <laughs> well, what well, have he, we he hasn't, <laughs> he, he hasn't revealed the last name of Finn yet. No, so. they haven't. And I think that's part of the mystique. Mm. All right, that's enough. It's all speculation at this point. After Monday, we will have Ooh, more to talk about. We love speculation. Yes. Ant-Man, last show, we talked about the fact that Ant-Man and the Wasp is the official sequel and it's did coming we? out. I think we did. I don't think so. I think that that came after last oh, show. Well, there's but there you go. Ant-Man, Ant-Man and, and the Wasp is the sequel. <laughs> um, what's really interesting is that they have been talking and talking and talking about Ant-Man's opening in China and it still hasn't opened there. It'll open by the time you hear this. It'll be open. The, well, no, no, it has now. Oh, um, 16th, wasn't it? But yeah, there, there have been... Uh, so there was a lot of speculation... Well, not speculation. A lot of commentary that Ant-Man hadn't performed as well as... $400 million uh, as in the box office is all right. Oh, but the, pff, oh that's terrible compared to the Avengers. <laughs> um, but uh, there was lots, lots of people saying, you know, oh, look, it's only like... I think it was like the third worst performing Marvel film. Mm. Um, but it hadn't opened in China yet. Um, so its first, uh, its first opening in China, uh, it turned... Uh, it was... Uh, near 0.71 million, uh, which doesn't sound like a lot, but that's sixty percent ahead of Guardians of the Galaxy. Right. Um, so, that's only on one day. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So this is tracking to be pretty huge. Guardians made a hundred million dollars. Pretty huge in hundred million dollars in China. So that's right. It'll make another hundred million dollars, and it suits the Chinese market to the T. Oh, so they're it's, just going to adore it. So. There is so much about Ant Man that fits that that 
cultural zeitgeist, yeah. Yeah, so I, look, it's going to open big, but they've already mm-hmm. announced a sequel, so it doesn't really matter what it does now, but this will be more money to the pot. So. Ant-Man goes to China. <laughs> that's, that's happening. <laughs> so that's going to China, and... That'd be awesome. This is one that but I dug up last racist. night. I thought, uh, Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters, you saw this, didn't you, Dave? Yeah, actually, I um, like, interviewed the director and the producer. Yeah. And I like, actually, surprisingly, I like, I actually really enjoyed yeah. this film. It was so stupid, but I really enjoyed it. And I, I bought a copy on 3D, and it looks great in 3D. And, you know, I didn't, it's not the sort of film I ever would have thought a sequel would get made because it's just fluffy, dumb fun. But apparently, they were actually working on a sequel to this for quite some time. But looks like the, the sequel has fallen apart because Paramount has actually decided that they think they might be spinning it into a TV series. I wonder if uh, Jeremy Renner would come to TV for that. He Doubtful. seems like a TV sort of guy. I don't think either of these two will come to this TV show. They'll recast them. Yeah, it could be. Yeah. Um, but uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do with it on TV. One of the things that was really nice about this film was it was really hard-edged and um, unless it's going to Netflix or going to a cable channel, they're not going to be able to be as hard-edged as they were. So it's true. Before we uh, jump ahead... Did everyone see the the trailer before uh, before Crimson Peak for the Last Witch Hunter? Vin yeah. Diesel's film? Yeah. <laughs> um, I, now, I I had to walk out of Spectre, but I I watched that one. You got a Spectre trailer? I didn't get a Spectre trailer. Yeah. I want a Spectre trailer. Well, apparently we did. It I showed some. Spectre. It showed some skeleton face. I'm kind so of thing excited then, about Spectre. Oh, this is yeah. the new one. I haven't seen this. Yeah. Yet. Then my friend was like, "It's Spectre." So I love I was, I was Bond, out. and then I had to go again for Hateful Eight. But Bond films are so my bag. Yeah, I, I didn't know, go yeah, and get yeah, Hateful Eight either. I got Hateful yeah, Eight. Really? Oh, I got Hateful yeah. Eight and I got... Oh, um, right. Beverly Hills Cinema, you're shortchanging me on trailers. <laughs> <laughs> I went to see the Bondi. I got... I got uh, oh, this reminds me just really quickly, one news item that we haven't got yet that's not on here is that Brian Singer actually is now warning people not to watch the next um, X-Men Apocalypse trailer because it blows part of the ending. Really? Oh, really? Yeah. And, um, Brian Singer's yeah, actually... Yeah, warned, yeah. So Fox have... So this is, this is like oh, the, the third or fourth director now that's come out this year and gone... Don't do it. Don't watch, don't watch my trailer, you know? <laughs> I'm actually... Look, I'm okay with... Honestly, with, with superhero stuff, I have no drama with spoilers. Yeah, me either. Yeah. Don't care. Um, but it's, it's not like don't me. care. It's just that no, I don't care because you know, I'm going to enjoy the film. The very anyway. na- yeah, exactly. I'm going to enjoy it anyway. It's not the, about it's not about the deep plot and the very nature of the stories. <laughs> that's is why the I'm watching status the status quo is maintained. That's, that's why with the yeah. Star Wars one, I don't mind too much. Yeah. But um, yeah, look, uh, the Vin Diesel uh, last <laughs> yeah, Witch Hunter. No, that's why I watched looks the Vin like, Diesel trailer. <laughs> looks like hilarious fun. <laughs> I can't wait. Um, so, Good Games as a chain uh, have got double passes to give away in every store. Oh, cool. uh, but in, in particular, me, I've got a bunch of double passes. If you Get want to in there, people. comment on Facebook and you live in Australia and thus can go to a, an event cinema, um, then uh, just comment on Facebook and uh, I'll I'll send you off a When's double that pass. Uh, it's a, sorry, not a double pass. It's a two for one. A buy one get one. Yeah, yeah. is that out soon? That is out. Next, I think no, twenty ninth, twenty end of October, start okay. of November. Yeah, we should do it. On but the show. it looks like a lot of fun. Yes. Yeah, it looks like absolutely a lot of, we're going to do it on the show. What are you talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It looks like Vin Diesel being Vin Diesel. Yeah, I, I love how stupid it sounds. Which is trying to take the selfie of the witch hunter. Come yeah. <laughs> is it true that it's based on his actual D and D campaigns and character? That's what I've heard. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised somehow because there's been actually a lot of chatter recently on all the D and D forums about Vin Diesel. Yeah, apparently showing he's a off massive D and D fan. His campaigns. Yeah. yeah. He's got tattooed on him and stuff. Yeah, well, he's got a lot of things tattooed on him. Um, <laughs> so Kevin Feige's face. Uh, <laughs> this was okay. So we had an amazing little um, within twenty four hours um, splash and then fallout of uh, rumors that Fox was going to give Fantastic Four back to Marvel. 
and then debunking of the rumors and then all the news outlets pointing fingers at each other saying, why did you make that rumor up, you dickheads? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we're still trying to figure out where the rumors started. Uh, but but yeah, just as an example here, we've got uh, comicbookmovie.com's one open and uh, their debunking of the rumor that uh, you know we talked to Fox and Marvel and no one, no, both of them said no, was uh, it just ends with this wonderful paragraph. It's like, this is journalism, people. So what gave, what gave with the rumor? Well, it wouldn't be like Den of Geek to just pull something like this out of thin air. So chances are that they got some bad information. Whatever the case may be, uh, for the rhyme, for the time being, get used to the notion of fant- the Fantastic Four sequel from 20th Century Fox. So and words, I just love that little slap in the Den of Geek wouldn't so have. So they're throwing Den of Geek under the bus. I bet you if you go and look at Den of Geek, they're throwing them under the bus. Almost certainly. Yeah. Like, oh, guys, grow up. You know. <laughs> yeah, and like edit, please. Like it actually said rhyme. That wasn't you yeah, that making wasn't, a mistake. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just bad editing. Yeah, well. Come on, people. Get okay. your anyway, yeah, because yeah. we never make mistakes on this show. <laughs> mistakes? English? Make, we're, all not, we're also yeah. not a first point of call for, uh, for references to Hollywood. I'm sure there movies. are people who listen to us for their hardcore mm-hmm. news. If you are, don't! <laughs> <laughs> we're like a shit sandwich, but we're just a lot more bread. Yeah. <laughs> and and a, nice sprinkling of, a nice sprinkling of pepper. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the end of the news. I it? think it might be, which means... Oh, man. Open up, time. open up, open up. Open up my sheet. Open up my sheet. It's, it's time. All right. So this week for our feature review, uh, we are doing Crimson Peak, directed by Guillermo del Toro and written by Guillermo del Toro and Matthew Robbins. Where's he been for years? Uh, Matthew Robbins, just a quick note, because I saw um, Crimson Peak and Close Encounters back yeah, to yeah. back. Matthew Robbins cameos in Crimson Peak. Yeah, Matthew Robbins um, was a writer's and yeah. writer and director. Yeah. In the 80s, he was doing a lot of stuff. He did one called Warning Sign, which I really enjoyed. He directed Batteries Not Included. Mm-hmm. I think that was one yep. of his. Um, so Matthew Robbins has been co-writing with... It um, was Del a Toro fun little ages. movie, and I wish there were toys for it when Absolutely. I was a kid. Absolutely. My question is, where's he been for the last decade? He's been co-writing decade? with Del Toro. For the last decade. I yeah. Mean. Has he been de- yeah, all of it? Well, oh, okay. not not necessarily all of it, but like a huge amount. I hope he didn't co-write Crimson. Yeah. Crimson. Uh, no, what's it called? Uh, 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 what's one I didn't? What's the one I didn't like the writing on? Oh, Pacific Rim. He did. He did. Did he co-write that? Yeah. Oh dear, I'm sad. Now. I believe, I'm okay. gonna I'm gonna Google it. <laughs> I'm gonna Wait, Google don't it do Google it. I need the screen. Oh. It stars. I'll do it on, uh, it, I don't have that. It stars Mia Wasikowska, Tom Hiddleston, Jessica Chastain, Charlie Hunnaman, and Jim Beaver. Mm-hmm. The greatest name in history. Yeah, and Burn Gorman. <laughs> Burn Gorman was in it too. Uh, now, according to IMDb, it says in the aftermath of a family tragedy, an aspiring <laughs> author is torn between love for a childhood friend and the temptation of a mysterious outsider trying to escape the ghosts of her past. <laughs> uh, <laughs> she is swept away to a house that breathes, bleeds and remembers. And we have a trailer, so we'll, we'll have a look. This is actually trailer one, which is very different to the final trailer that came out, but we'll have a listen to this one, and then we will come back and talk about this, because I'm sure Dave has so much <laughs> to tell us. So we'll be back in a minute. Ghosts are real. This much I know. What do you mean by Take a little walk to the edge of town Go across the track Edith, this is my sister There are parts of the house that are unsafe This secret I can imagine the two of you in here as children We were not allowed in here as children. We were confined to the nursery in the attic. On a gathering storm comes a tall 
Yours was better, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, I, I think we just, I think we defer to Dave. <laughs> um, Take it away, sir. Where, where to begin on this one? Uh, I guess, like, we should, uh, can we actually, before I go on about it, can we just set a parameter for spoilers? Yeah, well, on this, like, reiterate like? what you always say, Dave? Yeah, so the parameters on spoilers that we always say is that uh, no spoilers until two weeks after its release. Mm-hmm. And uh, all all bets are off once it's on Blu-ray. Okay, yeah, sure. So I'll, I'll skirt around spoils unless we maybe do a. We can do a spoiler section, section after, spoiler after yeah. the yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We so, can do that. So because I, I, I personally think up to about the forty-minute mark, I can't really talk about. Much. So all right, how about this? Why don't you just tell us what you thought of the yeah. film, mm-hmm. and we will come back and talk yeah. specifics in the spoiler section yeah. for you. I've been okay? I've been trying I've been trying to think about it a lot. So I I should just sort of say that I'm an enormous fan of the Gothic. No. Yeah. You know, so I like, think uh, I was unaware. Yeah. Like, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but for, for people that haven't listened to that behind the panels episode, where I just basically I, I blew Guillermo del Toro. I think how many times have Pretty I? Much. How many times have I blown him on this podcast? Yeah. Man. You've you've simulated on the micro on the microphone. Yeah. 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 Like uh, <laughs> I, I I feel like I'm in a danger of reiterating that stuff. But like he's. I think he it's okay is, to reiterate it today. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I think I will. He he is. One of my favorite, if not my very favorite, filmmakers working. Just for the the attention to detail, what he does. Look, Del Toro. There's a, there's a saying uh, in in film in, with genre where it says the 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 very uh, there's a lot of genre films that are looked down upon, but the best ones are made by people that look up to genre films. Mm. And and so the kind of thing is that Guillermo del Toro puts such attention to detail, such he he presents such love of, of what he makes of the the horror genre and the the creature genre and in this case the gothic romance that it 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 crosses over from being good into just being obscene like how obscenely good obscenely good and um and filled and passionate that it is that it, it that it's not it's not done in a way that's like Look at all my influences and and what they are and like look how well read you are because you got all the all the references. It's done in a I love this with to the to the core of who I am and I'm going to I'm going to put all of my love into every single inch of the of the project. I, I need to you jump know? in there because I 100% exactly understand what you're talking mm-hmm. about. I love I passionately love gothic literature. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah, I used to teach it all the time. Uh, it is probably my personal favorite style of writing. And for me, watching Crimson Peak was like sitting there and having a conversation with someone else who had read James yes. and who had read Dickens yeah. and yeah. who understood what the Gothic was about. Yeah, and it's like it, it, it there's there's no point even enumerating all the all the influences on this film, but it's like it's 
he does genius things with it where it's like with, with Gothic literature, there is an element that people had reading it in the time that was shocking Mm -hmm. in the time where it was, it was quite naughty. It was, it was, it was, it was considered very brutally violent, but by today's standards, it's not. So Guillermo del Toro overemphasizes certain elements in Crimson Peak that make you feel how the people in the Victorian era or the people in the age of reason era felt reading this material Mm. and so you sit there and and you are brutally shocked by the moments of brutal brutal violence or um or the 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 eroticism the the there's there's quite a lot of sexuality to crimson peak without without spoiling certain elements yeah with no nudity with with no nudity but 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 are shocking right you know um there's a particular hand job I should say that that was that was very very uh, like specific to what I'm kind of mm. talking about here is that he 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 understands like what he's giving you but do, there was a thing I said on one of the podcasts that we did I can't remember where every time I watch a Guillermo del Toro film it's the only time I ever feel like the, the filmmaker's spiritually sitting next to me because del Toro has this vibe if you've seen a lot of interviews with him or read a, a lot of his work he seems to have this vibe of like he loves it so passionately that everything to him is is funny but like in a in a knowing way, like, you know, like he's giggling off, off camera, like look at the knife mm-hmm. and the knife's going to go here. And isn't that great? You know, they're going to love it. They, you know? And so like every time I watch one of his works, I get that kind of feeling like that the filmmaker loves the work so much that I can't help but feel in- infected. It's by almost like that love. And every single shot in Crimson Peak is like mind blowingly gorgeous. And there's so much detail in the frame, but this is the kind of movie where it's like that, it's 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 laid in the performances, it's laid in the script, but that's not enough for Guillermo del Toro. That's enough for a lot of other filmmakers, but this has to be layered in Visually the costumes, as well. in the the props, in in, in the the creature design, in, in every single element down the line. That there there is a purpose to everything, and it, it, actually, it gets to the point, man, where it's like 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 things like you know, sorry, I'm I'm no, just, no, I'm just I'm, rambling at this stage, but like like. It, it, in for the first half of this movie, it's it's Edith, you know, and Edith is, um, you know, she, she feels like she's drowning in her world and hearkening back to that whole, you know, the the virgin, the you know, the the female that you know is is in the wrong period in her life, and she falls in love with this mysterious man, and then gets taken to a castle and. You know, it's that trope, you know, but how Del Toro has to communicate. It. Well, it's always got to be raining outside. It's always got to be like throwing like, um, like a blue, like aura around the, the wall. So it's, it's got to feel like she's drowning, you know, with yeah. the blue color. But what's fantastic yeah. is that there's literally that moment in the film where she's told she doesn't understand darkness and, and genuinely mm. genuine, genuine horror. And then the second half of the film, she experiences it yes. and it totally yeah. blows her away. Yeah, yeah. and that, 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 that to me was the, the core of the structure of the movie where of it course. was like, like the, the, the first half of the movie is, is gothic, the, the gothic genre as it was. Mm-hmm. And then the second half is gothic horror as it feels. Exactly. Look, you I know, really like, want to um, rave yeah. about this film. Like, yeah, I, I just, I, 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 words just <laughs> want to spew out of my mouth right now. Um, yeah. <laughs> but... Um, I was only a tip done. So, you know? <laughs> no, no, we'll, we'll come back. It's okay. But um, I've just got to... I don't think I've ever seen a more perfect film. Mm. Like, it, it is the best gothic horror film that will ever be made, as far as I'm concerned. It's, I, it's pretty I could unbeatable. not imagine anything better. Mm. Um, 
And it did really stunned me watching it, just going, this is everything that I have studied yeah. and learnt and read and enjoyed given life. Yeah, because that's that's the magic. That's that was, the, that's it was. The magic it had that movie heart, magic, didn't the it? The heart of Crimson Peak. And the heart of a lot of Guillermo del Toro's work is it's it's done not as an exercise. It's done it's done just as pure love. And and he was the first one to say it when he announced this project, that he said that a gothic romance hasn't been done on this scale in nearly 30 years. Easily. You know, if that. And, and know, the, uh, the and, film and was just... certain things like, you know, it's just incredibly rich. I, I Look, I, I wonder whether the general public and, and, you know, other people will get as much out of it as, as I actually did because I was sitting there going, that's a nod to Poe. Mm-hmm. That's a nod to Conan Doyle. That's a nod to Lovecraft. You yeah. know, like, and I was sitting there just literally feeling Fuck, that. Fuck, the family's you know, name was Cushing. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was literally sitting there going, you know, he, he loves all the things that I do and he's put them in this movie. And it was like, it was like when Kevin yeah. Smith was saying, you know, that he made Tusk because fuck, he wanted to see that movie. No yeah. one else was going to yeah. make it, you know. And, it's so, and that's what it felt like for me was, it's so, was I have wanted to see this movie for so long. For your and whole life. Del Toro you know? yeah. has made this movie yeah. presumably because he wanted to see it too. Yeah, that's <laughs> remarkable. Like from the, from the, the, there's a very early scene, I guess, because we should we could say that Edith is a, is a aspiring writer of, of ghost stories. I'm pretty sure we can say that safely. Yeah, yeah, we can <laughs> say that safely. And, um, and Edith... Uh, sees an editor for her work and, and they, they basically set up the thesis of the movie like right there and then where it's like you're, do, you're telling a ghost story. It's like, you know, it's not a ghost story. It's a story with ghosts in it. Because this is a period film and she's a woman, it's unacceptable that she's writing it. She's told to go away and write romance. Yeah, which was a big thing back in the time. Yeah. You know, like um, even if you look at, uh, you know, um, oh, it's my, it's my. Uh, Jane Austen? Yeah, yeah, no, 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 Mary, no, 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 um, Middlemarch. Uh, uh, George Eliot. Yeah, exactly, yeah. You know, like they had to use pseudonyms. Who, who pseudonyms. was actually a woman, yes. Yeah, exactly, you know, and uh, and then there's the whole like initials mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. Um, but these these are all just like colours to the thing. There's like the the black clay, but this time it's red clay. Yep. You know, like there, there's all sorts of little things off right of, and the house well, that's alive. And remember Pacific you know, Pacific Rim. I was raving about the use of color, and it's back here. Yeah, yeah. Very strongly. The, the very very strongly. The American segments of the film are all autumn colours. Yeah. They are they are golds and browns mm-hmm. and very rich and lavish. And then you move to this. When when the character actually moves overseas, mm. we move to this chill light through the whole thing, mm. uh, and all the colors are washed, and it's except for the red, except for the yeah. red, yeah, and, 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 it, and vital, and yeah. literally the house that she moves to yeah. is bleeding. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and, and there's it, there there isn't that much red in the film, but the red that you see is, is extremely vital, yeah. specific. But yeah. but again, you know, you like just such masterful direction to include all that and to color code it and yeah. and make it symbolic. And and but that that to me like what really makes it like a uh, like you know an absolute just a masterpiece is like that how clear its intent is like from the very get go and how successfully it accomplishes that. And Well and what's and interesting like, about that as like, well is that there's been criticism of the film mm-hmm. from from critics that it's not scary. Well, this, but, yeah, but this see, is a because, point because, I was going to yeah. bring up. Yeah. Listen, I, I'm sick and tired of having to sit, sit, sit here and defend a movie against... You're not defending it. No, 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 no. There's no need to defend no, no, it. No, no, I'm, even, I'm even just talking in general. It. It's like de- defend against... Uh, defend, defend a movie against someone that knows fuck all about movies. Like that. That's like the, the point that it's getting to here. Well, I, I disagree. I, I don't think they don't know. fuck all about movies. I think that quite possibly they don't understand that it's meant to be a gothic film and that that doesn't mean horror. Mm-hmm. 
Also, there is yeah, one other factor. Like if you want to get really specific about it, it's a, it's a gothic romance. <laughs> not it's not a horror film. Well, well, there is actually one other factor here that we should also look at, Dave, which is you should, you should never be felt that you should have to defend mm. anything because everything is subjective. That's right. You're and allowed to love yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. The fact yeah. that somebody turns yeah. around and says they don't like Crimson Peak. Yeah. By the way, I hated it. No, no, no. I'm joking. Yeah. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> if somebody said they didn't like Crimson Peak because of X, Y, Z, you should never be in a felt, you should never feel that you should be in a position to defend the film mm. because that's their opinion. Yeah. And you should be able to sit there and go, okay, well, that's what you think. And I you think liked this. it because of ABC. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And you liked it for ABC. And there is no reason to defend it mm. in any way, shape or form. There's no need. There's no But that reason. was just something I said in the moment of the passion. Like, I'm not even really thinking straight. But you've expressed that opinion before. Mm. And I'm just saying you should never have to feel that you need to do that because everybody's opinion is valid. And, you know, if they don't don't like it, I'm I'm going to throw in here and I'm going to say that because I haven't actually had a chance to jump in yet. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to jump in here and I'm going to say I really enjoyed the film. Fanboys, hold your breath. So I was just really wanting to get one point out, though, like I've been trying to build to. You've been building for the last Yeah, but the people listening are going to see, like, me just hear me rambling go like, give like, us your point the point that i'm building up to here is that like that that statement is made really early on in the movie that it's a, it's it's a story with ghosts in it and like the movie accomplishes that theme beautifully because that's the core of what makes gothic horror work like all oh, the gothic romance is that it strikes to the heart that the real horror is not the supernatural or, sure or, you know it strikes right down to the real horror uh humans and what sure. they do to each other. But what the critics, and I'll just throw this in very quickly, what the critics were actually saying was that from what the bill of sale was, and we're not talking about once you're in the film, we're talking about from what was mm-hmm. sold to them. They And mm-hmm. let me tell you, the second trailer, we showed the first trailer, the mm-hmm. second trailer is horrifying. The second trailer looks like it is the scariest film ever made. And when I showed it to my lovely wife, Katie, she said, I don't want to see that. Mm-hmm. Right? Because she just, it's just... I invited five people to go see it with me and they all said, I don't like scary movies. I don't want to see a scary movie. Okay. So the bill of sale is it's the most scary film you will ever see. Okay. However, the film as it is presented is not that film. Okay. And that's not a bad thing. I'm not saying that it's a bad thing because the film itself, in my opinion, is that it's a great film. I absolutely love this film. I don't think I would go quite to the hyperbole that it's the greatest film of this doc- of this type and it will be the greatest film of this type ever made. <laughs> I think that it is... It's not hyperbole, Dave. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I think it is a sensationally well-made film. Its pacing is near perfect. I think its performances... Mia Wasikowska finally found a role that suits her to the core. Um, I think that Tom Hiddleston once again knocks it out of the park. Oh, he was Jessica Chastain once again. I mean, Jessica Chastain and Tom Hiddleston basically steal the film. It's, a, it's all like well, to, they are the film. Is, yeah, <laughs> the, the kind of thing is it's a free hander, right? Yeah, essentially. Well, essentially, it's a three hander. And, uh, and Tom Charlie, Charlie Hunnam, without spoiling it, gets to play the damsel in distress. Yeah, which yeah. is but a about, wonderful. I was about to say. Is. I was yeah. about to say that it's actually a three hander. It's Tom Hiddleston, Jessica Chastain, and the house. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, the house is a character. The house is itself. a character, man. And yeah. I mean, and and what we end up here, and this is, I'm going to give minor spoilers just to diffuse the whole critic argument and say that. The, the film is not about ghosts. The mm. ghosts are just in, in it. Yeah. And it is actually about the people. Um, and the people are, in some ways, more horrifying than the ghosts. Well, let's come back to what Dave but was we'll saying before. But we'll come back before. to that spoiler. Let's come so, back to yeah. what Dave was saying before about 
um, Brian Singer saying, don't go and see the X-Men trailer. Mm. He's not the person who made the trailer for the no, film. No, absolutely. Yeah. And, and the same thing Guillermo is true, did, did the same thing is true here, is that the sales pitch that's being given to those critics is not being given by Del Toro. No. Yeah. Uh, and Del Toro... And this is why I can't hold it against him in any way. Absolutely. Because marketing yeah. is marketing and a filmmaker yeah. is a filmmaker. All I'm saying is that not necessarily what you see in the trailer is what you're going to get in the film. And for those who go to the film and say, oh, it wasn't scary enough, I want to Well, in fact, this, this might the, the, be a the music bit, Red Right Hand is not in the film. Yeah. This might be a little bit controversial to say, but I do think it's what makes the movie so special is that, that what makes the movie work isn't really what the public wants to see. On a mass scale. Like, can I tell you is, right now un- that I can predict yeah. that this film is not going to be a huge I don't think so. And, and, and it, it didn't cost as much of a fortune as it looks. No, it looks amazing. It, it, it cost, uh, it it cost amazing. 50 million, which is huge for the movie of its type. But, um, and you know, but, you like, know in like, international they, sales like, and like, DVD like, will like, make its money like, back. Oh, like for the first hour of this film, for the first hour, it is an unflinching Costume drama. Costume melodrama romance. Yes. Well, apart from the first 10 minutes. First, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, first for, minute and a half. Yeah, sure. For the most part, we're, we're, we're talking about like merchant ivory. Yeah, like, yeah absolutely. Know, and, and it's and, fabulous um, because you're because beautiful. There is, no, there is a... Because it's gorgeous. Unlike it's merchant, so lavish, but isn't but the it? Dread, it's beautiful. You feel the dread. That's what I was about to say. Palpable. Unlike a merchant ivory film, mm. you have, because of the first minute, set up this uneasy tone Something's that coming. you are waiting yeah, for yeah, something yeah. to yeah. happen. And you know Tom Hiddleston is involved yeah. because right. there's something creepy about him, and especially yeah. his sister. And, and, and such so, humanity. So, and the point I was going to make was instead of being scary, this film is actually vaguely, it's vaguely um, disturbing. Yeah. In, in the way it's handled. It's not scares, but it is freaky. Yeah. Mm. And you kind of watch it going, that's kind of, there's actually one moment which we'll talk about in trailers, which actually made the entire audience flinch. Spoilers. Uh, spoilers, sorry. We'll talk about <laughs> trailers. Yeah. Well, trailers are spoilers. Freudian slip. Yeah. <laughs> we'll talk about spoilers at the end, which we're going to get to very quickly because there's a lot we want to talk about. But there's, there was a moment in this film near the end that actually made everybody just you can feel them cringing yeah. in their seats. Mm. Um, so we will talk about that a little bit. But I think this is a great film. And if you just yeah. want a really interesting film, don't be put off by the fact you think this is a horror film. This is not a horror yeah. film. It's, it's, it's definitely got elements of uh, horror. Elements, but yeah. when, we talk, when we talk about horror but movie in a, phrase, modern, the, in a modern yeah. context, the phrase, this the, is yeah. no paranormal activity. Yeah. No. The, the, phrase, is, the, <laughs> the way you want to really look at it is how he tells you to look at it. It's a story with ghosts in it. Yeah. So, yeah and, um, you know, yeah. What, what, I mean, again, there's so much I want to say about this film. Mm. But one thing that was really interesting to me was a lot of it seemed to evoke Tim Burton feelings from me. No. No. It, no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was not, I'm not saying in any way it was a Tim Burton film, but well, it felt Burton, to me, to it be felt fair, to me like. influenced by the same sort of people. I was going to say, it yeah. felt to me like a movie that Tim Burton has been trying to make but never wanted to push himself far yeah. enough. It I just, felt like the yeah. film um, that Tim Burton wanted to make if he was a better filmmaker. But let's not be too harsh. But, you know, he... Um, this Tim really, Burton is fine at what Tim Burton I, I does. Love it. Had a lot of those, yeah. I'm talking about Guillermo del Toro yeah, Guillermo is a far Toro, superior filmmaker. That's exactly right. Burton. That was what I was coming to, was, yeah. that, was that it was so far stepped up from yeah. that. Yeah. Um, that it was remarkable. And I just wanted to talk briefly about the Gothic. So when we're talking about Gothic, it's a word that is often associated with horror literature. What the Gothic really was was a movement in literature and art that reacted to 
what was perceived as a dark turn for the world. Yeah. Uh, it was the, indus- the post-industrial revolution. People were getting put out of jobs because machines could do the work of 20 men. Uh, and all these out-of-work people were then unhappy. It was increasing crime. It was well, darkness. It. Frankenstein was and the first the original impending robot apocalypse film. <laughs> and at the same time, Mad at the same time, there was massive class division going on. So you had the very wealthy who the majority of people looked at very suspect and, and felt they were you know, evil and trying to control the world and these sorts of things. Uh, and so Gothic in particular sort of took prominence uh, in Victorian and, and post-industrial revolution mm-hmm. England. And um, some stereotypes quickly arose within the genre and they included the Gothic hero who was a man who had done something morally questionable and was stuck between that thing that he had done in the past and wanting to be good to a woman who he'd fallen in love with. And that is the thrust very much of this mm-hmm. film, which is amazing for me to actually see them yeah. take that and put it right there centrally into the film unreservedly and everything else around that is built around that. Yes. You know, the yeah. horror of the film and the, the ghost stories are all just like they were in the original novels. They are additional to that central and, what, and what's and, what, and, I, and I'll add on that because like that's to me what's so special about Guillermo del Toro is that this isn't a, this isn't a secret it's not it's not done pretentiously <laughs> or wanky it, it, it's done it's done like you should know the references that I'm talking about like I'm not afraid to in the middle of a scene be like you read Arthur Conan Doyle yeah that's right you know like and like, he even drops like they're, they're he even drops there, hints yeah. like yeah. you said you know the Cushing family is a reference to Peter Cushing who was mm. in so many gothic Gothic, well, horror films, but you know, so mm. many films that are filmed adaptations of yeah. gothic stories um, and Star Wars. Mm. If, you guys, if you guys want <laughs> yeah, a spoiler right, section, yeah. we're going to have to put a pin into it because we're on two hours yeah. now. Yeah. So right. we don't we don't really need a spoiler section. I think, like maybe I think we I think we do. Briefly. We can have five minutes, but, at the end but you know what? Okay. But I just want to bring up one thing though with the, with the Tim Burton comment. Um, because the kind of thing is like like uh, someone who's followed Del Toro for a very long time is that this almost feels like the most Del Toro, um, you know, like ever done, you know, like even maybe more than Pan's Labyrinth, you know? Um, and the, the kind of thing is like, when you look down at the, the, the it's really interesting. Cause it's, it's like, uh, um, like he simp, uh, he synthesizes all these different elements and influences, but like at the forefront, there's his own influence. There's his, his own ideas mm. and, um, and things like ahead of everything else. And um, there's like the use of insects, the you incest. know like uh, incest. Yeah, I, I didn't mean incest. Oh, you I mean, mean insects. insects, right? Yeah, <laughs> like like um, because Del Toro, you know, is is famous for his borrowing from the insect world. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, and the insects right. play a giant part in very this film. much so. You know, um, so there's specific scenes with them, but there are moths everywhere, and mm-hmm. they, they all have very specific meanings. Well, the wallpaper so. looks alive because yeah. it's got moths. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The house breathes. The house has eyes. The um, house is is remarkable. And, it, it's and a stunning just thing. The, yeah. There's I actually mean, something I do want to talk about. I want to say it's an house. excuse, but but the excuse of having a bleeding house because mm-hmm. there's red clay. Yeah. Um, that the house is built on mm. seeping through yeah. the walls. Yeah. Uh, you know, is 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 it's a great conceit. Yeah. It's it's beautiful because it's 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 literally. <laughs> Literally the the past coming to the, That's to right. the surface. Yeah. Yeah. Look, yeah. Um, recommendation time. Um, <laughs> look, I already said... I think they already know. I already yeah. said it's a perfect film yeah. um, in terms of its genre. I, I, I literally cannot... If you have any interest in gothic, 
this is the film you need to see. I'm going to say that if you are looking for a hardcore horror film, this isn't the film for you. But if you are looking for an excellent drama that has shades of the supernatural, visually spectacular and wonderful performances, this you can do worse than this for a night out. This yeah. is a really, this <laughs> yeah, is a yeah, really, yeah, really yeah, good yeah. film. Yeah, my, my wrap up. You can up, only um, do worse than this. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> yeah, this much. is this is this is yeah. this is a horror film for grown-ups. Yeah. Is mm. what this is. So. <laughs> yes, Dave. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Like for, uh, for me, this is probably the movie of the year. Um, easily, uh, uh, he's just he's just uh, I don't know. He's above everybody else by miles. I know, like absolute I, miles. I thought I loved Compton, like, you know. I <laughs> but this is yeah. just I gotta amazing. Say, X Machina still has just, a very Gil- strong. Guillermo del Toro just puts more into one frame than most filmmakers put into their entire careers. <laughs> their entire careers, you know. Um, yeah, I, I can't. I, I can't say anything. It's essential, essential cinema, essential. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I can't wait yeah. to see what. And Guillermo- I, I'm going to see it again tonight. I can't wait to see what Guillermo del Jesus does next. It is a really interesting feeling to get because for me, like, here's how I'll wrap it up perfectly. Right, is that I I was so looking forward to this film that that I didn't I didn't see a single thing from it. I avoided every trailer. I avoided every plot description. I to the ex, to the extent of I, the only people I knew in the movie were Chastain, um, Hiddleston, and um, Mia Mia Wasikowska. Mm. And I just seen the poster of her standing there, of Mia Wasikowska. Right. That's it. I literally you know? went in with my yeah. standard. Yeah. I expect nothing but yeah. hope for the but best. See, see, <laughs> see, I went in completely opposite. I went in going, I, I am expecting an amazing, incredible film. And I knew nothing about it. And it over-delivered. <laughs> and, and not only did it perfectly meet my expectations, it delivered it. Because it was like, you know, you hear a bunch of things. You hear like, oh, it's the house. And I'm like, oh, it's going to be a Guillermo del Toro house, right? What's that going to look like? Oh, I know what it's going to look like. And then it looked like it. You know, like, it, you know, it's just, it, it, it will deliver on every expectation you possibly have. Possibly. And then we can talk about ultraviolence. Not setting the and, bar, uh, not setting the bar too high. Look, look, <laughs> look, 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 well, what, what's 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 an expectation that wouldn't be met with with Crimson Peak? Uh, depending on what the individual is looking for, and that's yeah. the thing. Yeah, I guess. Like, is it going to be in space? Yeah. Like, the, the indivi- well, you know, the individual like, who wants to go see Jurassic World, if they walk into Crimson Peak, they're going to hate that film. Because they were expecting Jurassic World, yeah, yeah. That, you know yeah. what I mean. It's like you know the, what I'm saying or is if, if you're look, look, okay, okay. He, he, if he, you're he, a 15 he, year old he, going to, he, to go he, to the he, cinema, here's, right, here's yeah, a yeah. controversial yeah. phrase for you: um, Guillermo del Toro respects your intelligence, respect his. Yeah. <laughs> Still doesn't mean they're going to like yeah. the film. <laughs> I'm just saying that. Look, if someone, you know what? I'll simplify it to really simple terms for you. Different strokes for different folks. Yeah. <laughs> right. Beware, Crimson Peak. I'll, uh, I'll take Dave's strokes on this one. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, sir. <laughs> you guys go stroke each other and we're going to finish the show. Probably Dave hated it. I loved it. I, loved it. I, I thought it was fantastic. I just don't want to throw out so much hyperbole that it is setting the bar so high. I still I think, wear it proud. Put it this so. way. Put it this way. Yeah. As far as film of the year is concerned, I still think Ex Machina is my film of the year. So, I, I, you know, look, so. honestly... I'm having second thoughts about whether to call Star Wars film of the year after seeing this. <laughs> well, like, Star Wars, we can't call film of the year. We haven't seen it yet. Well, yeah, but but we all know that it's going to be not necessarily. <laughs> like this year with 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 Mad Max and with this and with I would Star never Wars, call Star Mad Wars. Max film of the year. 
Uh, we've had this discussion. Yeah, I know. I know yeah. we have, but but, yeah. but you know, like I like, liked it, like, but I'm not going to call it film. Of the like, year. there's there's something that um the, the Quentin Tarantino said earlier in the week that's that's Hateful Eight may be film of the year. You know? Yeah, well, it would be one of them. But like like uh, he he'd said something in there. I know we're really pressed for time, yeah, yeah. but you know whatever. More more geek actually for free, guys. You know, more, <laughs> Jamie more has more an event us. to get to. Yeah, yeah, so. and, uh, it's okay. It's okay. Yeah, and so so like he said something in the week where he said like the the. One of the big problems with cinema at the moment is that people are making films that are going to be rewatched in a year. But more people should be making films that are rewatched hundreds of years from now. Nothing seems to really be worthy enough to stand the test of time. They're all filled with special effects that date within a couple of years. Like, um, what, well, like Blade 2? <laughs> Yeah, well, probably. Blade Two's got you know, effects I, that dated the day it came out, dude. Yeah, but 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 look, this there is are not, other joys to Blade Two. Yeah, no, absolutely, and I like Blade Two. Don't get yeah, me wrong. Yeah. I'm not. I'm, not I'm just saying we have to be careful about anybody who's basically. This saying, is missing the entire point of what I'm trying <laughs> Sorry, to say. Though. Like it's completely the other end. Like like my. <laughs> the my, point is the point yeah, is that it's not the, just Guillermo del Toro the, fan worship. The, the, the point is that, that that of course every year there are films that are watched. Throughout history, but there are a shit ton that aren't. Absolutely, and, and the kind of what what Tarantino's getting at is that people should make a movie with the intention of it being cinema. You know, sure. and, and not not many people give off that impression that they are paying attention. No, but sure, but there's also an enormous yeah, so market you can do which is just mass market that, you know. cinema. And some of our favorite of films yeah. have come out of just being mass market cinema. Star Wars was not made. There was no intention in Star Wars, I can guarantee to be a cult hit. Where they were, I'm, this is going to be a film that people yeah. live their entire lives yeah, I, I by. Yeah. Sorry Dave to interrupt you, but I don't I don't like the way this conversation is going because it's not the intention I had. I, I meant to be positive about yeah, yeah. cinema. I, oh, yeah, I, yeah, I, I didn't mean to be negative. I, I meant to be like that that you know that, that there are so many people still making amazing movies like this and we mm. should cherish them. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. That, that's my point. And yeah. so like Pacific Rim and, you know, Crimson Peak, they go together now, you know, <laughs> all throughout history along with Blade 2. But once know? again, I think we have to be very careful though. And I know this is, we're getting to the end of the show and we want, but it's something we have to be careful of is that we can't let the subjective attack the objective because yeah, there yeah, are yeah. a lot of people, yeah. and myself included, who would not put Pacific Rim into... Anywhere near the league of Crimson of Crimson. Peak. No, no, no. I, I, you know I, what I mean. I, I, I will I not know, be like, visiting, yeah. revisiting yeah. Pacific Rim in ten years' time. But one of the wonderful things, look, one of the wonderful yeah. things about that for me is that it actually shows growth as a director as well. I agree. And Guillermo, I think, yeah. I mean, we, I, I love his films, but he is getting better and better. Which I is know, I, and I absolutely agree. And I love Guillermo del Toro. Don't get me wrong. Even when he is making. Blade 2, which is for all intents and purposes, I just like a, Blade a two. shitty, schlocky film. It's a great, shitty, schlocky film. You yeah, know what I mean? It's it a, it's there's a, a lot at 2 Blade 2. No, right? abso- no absolutely. <laughs> but there's a lot to every film, Dave. Every filmmaker will have their part to it. I'm really not trying to like... I, 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 I want to be, be careful. I want to debate you, but I want to be really careful because I don't want to send the wrong message to people listening. All I'm saying to the listeners is that we don't want to fanboy out so much that our fanboyism overrides sensible of debate and discussion. Totally. Yeah. So, you know what I mean? So yeah, I'll, I'll just say that I, I really don't want to give off the impression that I'm doing that. You don't, but we, cool. know, we know that yeah. there's always going to be there's always going to be a coloring of Del Toro's films for you because you are such a yeah, fan of, of his stuff. Yeah, of course. Yeah. But, and, but I'm such a fan of his work because I think they are really ambitious and they're, they're making 
real strides in cinema. Sure, and I, yeah. and and to a point, I agree. But I just don't think that just because Del Toro made it means it's good. And the thing is, we no. look at we that's not automatic. No, yeah, there is no, there is no, there is no automatic yeah. in it's this a, world. It's a, it's Crimson a, Peak it, is very yeah. good. But it, that is not. Yeah. It's it's exactly. a, it's a similar kind of thing because like what's probably going to happen is Crimson Peak's going to bomb. Same way Pacific Rim did, and then in two years people are going to go. They were the fucking bombs. Yeah. Whereas I think you know, I think Crimson like, Peak deserves to be hit. I think Crimson Peak is an amazing mm. film. So um, that's that's but as an example what ends up as an example because cool, you know mates. now we can start hoping for at the mountains of madness again. Yeah. <laughs> as an example, <laughs> I, uh, as an example, as of the fanboy in me, I'm a massive fan of Steven Spielberg. I've followed Steven Spielberg's career really since I was <laughs> since I was yeah. knee high to a grasshopper. Yeah. I've been following his career, but I am first to admit when he stumbles. Mm-hmm. When yeah. I when I look at Hook or I look at 1941. Yeah, for sure. You sit there and you go, as much as I may have enjoyed it because I'm a fan of his, yeah. I can look at that and go, I know why that film yeah. failed. You know? Mm-hmm. And you sit yeah. there and go, you know that he misstepped. Yeah, but see, that's the kind of thing that's interesting as well because like, as film lovers, we, we tend to have this thing where we, we watch m- more hours of interviews with the filmmakers than we do at w- the movie. Sure. You and-, know, and, and we get so invested and we learn so much about the filmmakers and who they are as people and what their, mm. what their goals and intentions are that – we end up like kind of being a little bit obsessive about them. As, as, Absolutely. You know, like, uh, and that to me is a part of it, a part of being a film. Sure. Lover. But what happens, you know? there, there's, there is a part where, let's say somebody comes to me and I go see a Spielberg film that I absolutely adore and I come back and I go, did you love that film? And I talk to a friend of mine and he says, actually, I thought the film was kind of lackluster, didn't yeah. do this, yeah, didn't do that for me. Yeah. And I sit there and go, but, you know, the intention of Spielberg was this and this is what he did and all this research mm-hmm. and he had all this stuff. The friend is still very entitled to say, but I didn't see it on screen. Yeah, but the friend, of course. The, but the, you know? but the, the friend might, on the other hand, might go, hey, I didn't think about it that way. Maybe, but he might also sit there and go, I don't care about all the behind the scenes. I just wanted to enjoy the film. And first impressions say a lot as well. You know? Can we take a deep breath while we play the theme music <laughs> and then we'll come back and do spoilers? All right, first we're going to say, if you agree or disagree with anything we have to say on this show <laughs> or with, that, with, with our opinions on this, you can send your feedback to feedback at geekactually.com or follow us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash geekactually. Jamie Lawrence can be found at Good Games Hurstville, which is the address is? Uh, you can find us facebook.com slash goodgameshurstville or alternatively, find me on Twitter at GG Hurstville. And Dave? Um, you can find me on Facebook at Inadequate Gods or you can find me on Twitter at Dave Longo and I'll be starting a podcast called um, Il Labyrinth di Del Toro. <laughs> <laughs> if you want me to do that, uh, let me know. He'll be, he'll be doing it all in bad Spanish. <laughs> you, can find me. you can find me on Twitter at Dave McVeigh or on Facebook uh, Facebook forward slash geek actually or on my own personal Facebook I don't care look for me I'm around you'll find me I'm always around somewhere uh, we are going to be releasing the results of our competition for the DC television stuff look for that uh, by the time this episode comes out it'll already be announced but you'll be finding that on the Facebook's page and on our website post on geek actually if you would like to get a two for one pass to uh, the last witch hunter or go pop into good games Hurstville. I'm, sure, I'm sure you can do that as well and with that being said there will be spoilers right after the music so if you want to hear spoilers it's only gonna be a short section because we've been going so long and the studio is fucking hot yes. <laughs> <laughs> so it's only gonna be a short section but if you want to hear some of the more specifics about um, uh, Crimson Peak you can continue listening on after music if you don't when the music stop, finishes stop listening yes. yeah. <laughs> alright oh, oh 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 what and um go surreal <laughs> <laughs> and we will all see you in two weeks bye everybody bye team
can't wait for the music to finish. Can I start now? <laughs> and on that note, we're on spoilers. Me first, me first, me first. Go. Oh, my God. My inner English teacher wants to see this film so many times and deconstruct it. Oh, it was so amazing. The thing, okay, the thing that I loved the most that I just passionately, this metaphor just I wanted in my bed is, is the moths and the butterflies. Yes. The fact that uh, Tom Hiddleston's sister sits there and, and talks to... Um, uh, Mia Wazakowska, whose name is Edith. Cushing. Edith, thank you. Um, <laughs> yeah. She sits there and talks to Edith, and they're talking about moths and butterflies, and they talk about how butterflies flourish in the light, mm-hmm. but moths flourish. Moths live on the darkness, in, mm-hmm. and that's who those two characters are. That that um, light and dark. That, that Mia literally. is flourishing in the light, and the light is literally in America, where we see the physical light all the time, yeah, yeah. and then as soon as they move the darkness, the, the dresses too. Like yeah, the, the, like it's like pure white and the, the and absolute, pure and black, the pure and black, yeah. But then as soon as we move to the darkness, where, notice, where everything is dark you, and cold yeah. over in the, in the UK, sorry, did, so not only quick, does real quick little trivia thing, did you guys notice that when they moved to London, she wore a black choker, yes, with her white dress, like yes. a little bit of black had, had just a little bit, her. but it even choked, then, that was all it took to choke when we all move the over, white, you know? when we move over, um. Tom Hiddleston's, you look at Dave's face. Tom Hiddleston's sister, <laughs> like, I love this movie. her role in the movie expands massively as, as she starts to take over and feed on the darkness. And and correspondingly, the other one shrinks as she starts to get poisoned and go weak and smaller. And it's just oh, so amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> every frame, every frame. Every single like shot. Yeah. There was um I did the, the typical thing where like the the second I walked out of it like had a four hour conversation about the smallest little details <laughs> and like you know like the the I was I was at the point of like oh and then you know Jessica Chastain when when um when she um when uh, Edith slashes her her um hand she slashes the hand that was used to jerk off um yeah you know, yeah, yeah. yeah and it's like, like ah! you know like every little thing was like had a detail like um. Oh my god! There was one point in the film where I thought that everyone's eyes were being digitally altered as well to be to be larger and mm. and have darker pupils, and that eye metaphor and the keyhole metaphor just ran through as well, where everyone was looking and spying mm. and seeing things and being scared about what was outside doors. Yeah. It was just ah. Oh. And like um, I I I cannot wait to see it again. That's the thing to, oh, to really pick up just... on things. But there was one thing I do want to talk about really heavily in spoilers is that um. I was a, a little tiny bit disappointed that the house didn't collapse down into the clay. Oh my god! Why didn't end. you bring this up before the um, spoilers that you had some disappointment? But it's it's not because it was only it was only during the moment. But I felt that the way he did it was I actually was really incredible. And I, like, I it, thought that that was going to happen. Didn't do it. You know, I, um, I thought that that was going to happen yeah. that the house would 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 fall down at the end. No, I think I think it's actually in the dialogue but, as well yeah. when we see Jessica Chastain's ghost yeah. at the end, where they say some ghosts will just stay forever. Yeah. Yeah. That house is a ghost in itself. Yeah, and that's, but I that's thought precisely that, why yeah. I thought it worked. And and because I, I was saying earlier, I I did the typical thing where I had this four hour conversation. Mm. Another typical thing I do is I go and read as much interviews and watch as much interviews as possible, and. Del Toro actually said in one of these interviews that he that he originally wanted to do that, and um, they couldn't afford it. Hmm. It, it. It would have added another four million dollars to the budget. But also, the Gothic is very much about the decay inside people mm-hmm. and the moral decay that's going on. Yeah. And the it's rock not a, from the uh, lay, the, the, the locations stay at the end. Mm. You know, they never go away. They're reminders. Yeah. And ah, oh, 
the stuff that they were actually talking about in the film about how much is layered in that you don't see. Yes. I was yeah. constantly sitting there anytime that there wasn't anything directly happening on screen. I was just looking at the backgrounds trying to pick yeah. stuff out. Yeah. And it, there is so much layered into mm. this film. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm going in tonight with metaphorical headphones. <laughs> like, I'm just going to look. But wow. Oh, hello. I hello, could is literally, that your phone? Oh, that's what my phone is. I could, I could, Good radio. I could watch that movie over and over again for a, a lot of number of times and be happy with Just it. Just for the listeners out there, Dave's signaling me to give him his phone. No, wait yeah. until after the show. <laughs> no. no, I didn't even notice I had, it was not this. I, I, yeah. anyway. uh, the, the point that made everybody cringe for my audience was the knife to the cheek, mm. yes. which was just rough. And yeah. then... The eye slowly bl- filling with blood, filling with and blood. Then the one blood tear coming down. It's like, oh my god! Mm. <laughs> Tom Hiddleston was so great. He was so good. I mean, Unbelievable. and that role is—I mean, he's born to play that. Really, mm. he's, he's his Shakespearean acting came out, yeah. and um, uh, supposedly he brought all of that to the character. The character was originally written much differently. Uh, I would not be. Surprised. It was going to be cast with. Um, uh, Benedict Cumberpatch. <laughs> That's funny. And um, Emma Stone. I often get those two yeah. confused. Emma Stone <laughs> yeah. would have been all wrong for this. Yeah, well, um, the way mm. Del Toro was talking about it was that he his approach to casting is that he he takes, he casts one character first and then the rest around it, like he's decorating mm. a house. He, he buys a couch first, I think was mm. the metaphor he used. Yeah. Yeah, and, um, yeah, and so uh, at, at one point it was Benedict Cumberpatch as um, Mr. Sharp and then... They cast around it. And then they went off to do something else for scheduling reasons and he cast Chastain. See, that's really interesting. Chastain had then became the... That's really interesting because Cumberpatch wouldn't have fit in that role. No, well, not in the role that was portrayed. Of course, yeah, yeah. Originally, he was supposed to be more cocksure, more uh, more in line with what you'd expect from that story, like suave and But the depth that Hiddleston brought to that and the the real... Del Toro had The way he was torn between... You know, his love for his sister and his love for um, girl whose name I can never remember. It's Edith. (laughs) Edith, thank you. Edith. Yeah, like uh, it's it's something that's there at one point, but Del Toro said that when he had a conversation with Hiddleston, he went and rewrote the script Mm. for him to cater it to him. And that's that's a really good example of like how an actor uh, helps. Informs um, the role. And really elevates the movie. Mm. It was just masterful. It was just... Mm. It was everything that could have gone right went right. Like when you think about how much could have gone wrong, you know, like especially, can you imagine trying to communicate that kind of movie? Like to, uh, to a lot I'm of sure other Del, people. I'm sure Del Toro just went into a studio and said, I'm making my ghost movie. Yeah, he, he, yeah, he, <laughs> For some reason, yeah, he's yeah, Italian now, yeah, so yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, didn't yeah, let, yeah, you didn't yeah, let yeah, me make yeah, the, the Cthulhu yeah. movie, you make it, yeah. I make it a yeah, ghost also, movie. Also, Why is he Italian? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. You did it and it sounded right. I can't even do it. Yeah, like the, the, um, he probably walked in. Hey, yeah. Hello, my <laughs> name is Guillermo del Toro. The story, the story, <laughs> you killed my father. The story, the, the story of how it got made is a really interesting one because del Toro had made, made a comment years ago where he said that uh, people always ask him, you know, uh, is he going to go and make a superhero movie or is he going to go and make this? And he goes, I tend to, to try and avoid the movies that... He wanted to do the Hulk at one point. I could Which see yeah, yeah. Um, to yeah. produce. I could see produce him coming out with a very produce. Jekyll and Hyde to, sort of thing. To produce. Yeah, yeah but that, he was he would have directed the pilot. Maybe. Mm. Yeah. Um maybe yeah, well that, the Hulk is really really actually suited to him because he, yeah. he would view it as it's a, a gothic sort of Frankenstein yeah. to Jekyll and Hyde. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, um yeah, and that would make sense. Yeah, um but the comment, sorry, I lost my train of thought. The other one that he wanted yeah. to make, of course, was just Justice League Dark, which would have been which yeah, is again, perfect all, for him. All which is going ahead yeah. now too, apparently. But without yeah. him. But without him. Yeah. And, and the, that's right. His, his comment 
from years ago was like, I try and direct movies that need me to direct them, not movies that I want to direct or, mm-hmm. or yeah, or that I need. Mm. It's movies that need me. And, um, and that's kind of really interesting because like Crimson Peak is, is pure auteur cinema in a way because it wouldn't exist without that's true. That's true. I have to and, say um, that my lovely wife Katie is pacing outside the studio because uh, she wants to put the washing machines on. So, oh, <laughs> right. so we are going to have yeah. to wrap this up. I'll give you another second because you, you asked the question of how this movie got made, Dave. Oh no, and, I know um, how this movie got made. Yeah, and, and this was that, that he he had a really good working relationship with legendary studios who asked him, "What do you want to make hmm. next?" And he presented free screenplays, and they picked this one. Yeah, and that's how hmm. all movies are made. I mean, when you think about Cronenberg, was actually coming off the fly, <laughs> which was a massive hit. He was approached and they said what do you want to do next and he said the naked lunch (laughs) everybody went pardon but they let him do it because he had the fly you know so the first big budget haunted house thing since like Hmm. the shining what uh, the the last thing the last thing we had a big haunted house thing directed by jean de pont uh, mm, with the, the haunting, haunting. so yeah. let's not forget that we like to for, try and oh, forget actually, that no, okay, uh, the last yeah, thing that's, there's also the Eddie Murphy haunted dimension oh god <laughs> yeah. house on Haunted Hill anyone uh, yeah. the last uh, yeah. the last thing that I really loved about this that I really want to bring home was Poltergeist remake anyone was yeah, that yeah, all true. the ghosts Batman, all, that's pretty funny all the ghosts were warning not attempting to kill her yes or horrify her yeah. and that, that's why we say it's not a ghost story. Of course, it's a film with ghosts. of course. But that's one of the things yeah. that really is a hallmark of the gothic is that ghosts are a warning, yes. and and they yeah. are the past speaking to you. They are not yeah. symbols of horror and terror and murder, which they become in modern cinema so often. Um, and that was really nice. That was one of the things that just within the first couple of minutes, that ghost showing up and warning her about Crimson Peak for me was just mm. like this is what a ghost story is. Mm. And for me it was uh, uh, that was a huge element too the design of the ghosts as well being the only red things mm. uh, or black. Some of them were black. Well, they weren't the only black, black thing. But though. but the but, specific yeah. ghost like the the ghosts the, in, the mother, in the house. Yeah um yeah like the ghosts in the house the ghosts of the of the past I suppose the Well yeah, yeah no I'm going to I'm going to argue that cuz Jessica Chastain's was black. The mother was black, Hiddleston's and and was and, white. and uh, and Hiddleston's, Hiddleston's was white. Gray. Well, grayish white. Oh, yeah. yeah, and the only ones that were red were the ones that were murdered. Yeah, that's yeah, right. That's the ones yeah. I'm talking yeah. about. Yeah, the ones yeah, that were yeah. murdered. Yeah, the, the by them were red. I don't, I'm trying to struggle with the phrase. Again. The mm. you know um the 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 yeah the the secrets the 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 secret ghosts yeah. the the buried ghosts I guess the met the metaphorically the bathtub the hallway yeah and the ones the, that they killed the ones that they the three, three, three ghosts the ones that they killed and the baby and hid yeah, and the baby the three murdered yeah. the three yeah. murdered ones were the, the, the deep, and the the deep dark secrets they were hiding and wasn't yeah, that shocking red, as well because yeah. the, 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 the when when she said that the baby wasn't the other wife's it was mine and I murdered it like that just really. Yeah, it happened in a whole string oh, of think, things happening, the, but that was quite shocking. Just, the greatest, the greatest the, line the, of dialogue the, the, in the film, I think, yeah. is where she goes, "I thought you were his sister," and she goes, "Oh, you fool, mm. I am." That's right. <laughs> yeah. 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 You know? yeah. And it's like, oh yeah. god, yeah. <laughs> and that was the moment, you know. It's the, like, the, the, and it's such a yeah. Victorian thing to. I mean, not to say that incest is not bad today. Don't do it, people. But. But for but, Milton Bradley, the game the whole family can play. But, <laughs> but for the big shocking, for the big shocking reveal to be that the brother and sister are having an incestuous relationship mm. is such a Victorian thing. Yeah. It's yeah. great. Although yeah. it was kind of telegraphed from the very beginning of the film. Oh, of course, but it was. that's okay. Yeah, because I because I that kind of sets in motion. You're going, are they? Aren't they? 
Are they? Are there, they, was a, are there, they was a, they? there is a beautiful quality of the, the, the telegraphing of everything, though. Yeah, it, it, it does. It does it's, run it's nice, the way you yeah. kind of think it will run. Mm. You know, um, but it, in the way that you want it to run, I suppose. Like yeah. blood. Great so, film. Washing right. machines. Washing yeah, machines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we washing machines, forever. lunch, yeah. and event. We all have to get out of here. All so right. I'm going to go out with these final words from John Borman. Penis is evil. And on that note... <laughs> that was one element we didn't even get into at all. His the penis. penis. The, the sexual element of Crimson Peak. That's all right. We don't need to. <laughs> Let's move on. On that note, I call this to order and good night, everybody. Goodbye, all. Bye.